Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of February 2023. Sorry for the little delay there. Uh, I've been having some issues with this microphone, so hopefully everything will stay stay where it needs to be for our time together today. I've got this funky boom boom stand that needs to be replaced. But how are you? How are you doing? Happy Sunday. This is like kind of a new time to be doing some of our uh, some of our talks, but I thought it would be fun to kind of shake it up a little bit in Aquarius season. I'm seeing some nice friends stopping in. We're going to go through all sorts of uh, things regarding February today. Uh, we're going to talk about the lunations. We're going to talk about full moons. We're going to talk about new moons, quarter moons. We're talk about ingresses with planets moving into different signs over the course of the month. We're going to talk about solar phases today, the relationship of a planet to the sun. Uh, we're going to talk about out-of-bounds planets, and we might potentially have a couple more malefic enclosures this month. So those are some of the big picture thoughts we're going to talk about. Of course, as we always do, we will incorporate the tarot and the I Ching into our talk today. We'll talk about the decans and how they relate to the different solar periods that we're going through today. Uh, we will divide each of our transit reports into 10 degree sections related to the decans. And of course, we will look at your comments and questions. Um, like I said, I see some really nice friends already stopping in. We've got Lynn stopping in from Vermont who is waiting for more snow. Oh my goodness, more snow. Do we really need more snow? <laughs> We've got uh, Nancy stopping in from Maryland. Hey, Nancy here. Uh, welcome, friend. Rachel is stopping in from Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Raven is here stopping in from Kansas, giving us a little sunflower for Sunday. I love it. Um, Edwina is here from North Central Pennsylvania. Carol is here from New York. Uh, Lisa Newcomb is here. Hello, Dina. Hello from Hudson Valley, New York. It's always nice to see all of your, your friendly faces stopping in in the chat. So before we dive in, friends, let's take care of some business, as we are apt to do on this channel. Um, we talk about some of the things that are coming up potentially. I have a sale going on on the Deccans of Aquarius. So if your interest is piqued by some of the themes that I'm talking about with Aquarius today, when we describe the, the decanic placements, uh, be sure to pick up the Decans of Aquarius webinar, which is a deep dive, two and a half to three hour talk on the Decans of Aquarius. I have every single sign that I did over the past year. So if you're missing one in your collection, go check it out. 20% off right now until the end of Aquarius season, which I think runs through the 18th of February. Uh, as well, there are new reading offerings available for you in the um, book now button on my website, spencermichaud.com. I've been having some really nice, nice sessions with folks over the course of the beginning of the new year, both people that are looking to get a deep dive into their lifelong narratives and patterns, and people that are looking to see, hey, what, what's going to go on for me for the next three months or so? Um, very, various types of readings that you can sign up for. Be happy to work with any of you. Uh, the easiest thing you can do to support this channel is to hit the like button. If you are new here, please subscribe. If you'd like to make a do material donation to the work that I do, you can hit a little uh, dollar sign in the chat. That's called a super chat or a super sticker. That helps me to keep the lights on. You are buying me 
the gift of new books and, and chocolate and, and exercise <laughs> you know, equipment. I wanted to tell you, friends, before I dive in today, I am not being sponsored by this company, but this little thing right here, this is called a grid ball from Trigger Point, and they also make foam rollers that look like this. Uh, but this little thing is a little slice of a uh, little slice of heaven. I know it looks like that little, um, you know, that little ball from Star Wars that shoots Luke when he's training with his lightsaber, but it's been helping me open up my hips and uh, all of the. The knots in my back and things like that. I also offer, ordered a new office chair that is like half office chair and half like a, a yoga ball. It's not here yet. I'm just kind of moving in anticipation of it being here. But yes, take care of your body. Uh, remind me in the chat to take breaks every 25 to 30 minutes for stretching and getting a drink of water. Uh, that's good because we're going to buckle in for probably two, two-ish hours, maybe a little bit more. We'll see how we're doing today. All right, so all the business stuff out of the way, all the pleasantries, all the introductions. Let's talk February. What do you say? So, big picture thoughts. We have a full moon coming up on the 5th of February in Leo. So we're going to have a uh, moon in Leo opposite the Aquarius sun. It's, that lunation is going to be squared Uranus. So we're going to be shaking up our routines in the beginning of February. We're going to be trying to figure out new ways to, to organize our lives and our habits. Another habit, I, I like when I, when I find some things that work for me, I love sharing it with people. Baroque music is something that really makes your brain work well. I've been listening to like Handel and, and Bach and Vivaldi over the course of the last week or two, just when I'm doing my notes and, and I'm just feeling like, you know, it puts me in the groove. I think Brandenburg Concerto Number no. Three is my favorite. I used to listen to that when I was in high school. Uh, you know, the one that goes. Sorry, I could go on forever. I love that jam. That's that's the 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 seventeen uh, hundreds jam <laughs> of the century. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. So we're going to be shaking up your routines. You're going to be incorporating some of the Saturnian themes that you were dealing with uh, as you set new intentions during Capricorn season. Uh, this is a good time of year to evaluate some of those new material structures that you've tried to change and upgrade or, or uh, put into practice. And during Aquarius season, after Capricorn season, sorry, during Aquarius season, it's important to examine some of the philosophical ideals that move us forward, that structure our lives. So we may be questioning some of those things. We may be trying to figure out what is the, uh, what are the narratives and beliefs that are, are organizing our life and are they supporting us or do they need to be changed every once in a while? Sometimes we need a change and that's okay. Um, and taking a big picture viewpoint of your life can really help you tune in and allow you to, uh, you know, see if what you're doing is working or not. Yes, I'm seeing some nice, nice comments about broke music in the chat. <laughs> Dina says the original prog rock. It totally is the original prog rock. There is a lot in common with the 70s progressive rock, I think, for sure. I, my dad used to listen to, this is going to be like a Venus and Pisces type of Sunday. <laughs> because I think that, um, you know, listening to that type of music, you're, you're 
getting all sorts of new neural connections. My dad used to listen to Emerson, Lake and Palmer and super tramp and like bands like that, that, that did some prog rock type stuff. And yeah, it does remind me of that a little bit. I think that's a good call. Um, okay. So query season, we'll try to stay focused here. So we're not here forever. Uh, we're going to be doing that big overview. We are some, some other big picture thoughts I have for this month. Um, we are going to be seeing a Saturn Kazemi that happens in the middle of the month, which is a renewal of Saturnian energy, uh, patterns, uh, boundaries, or uh, blueprints that we're organizing our life around. Um, Mercury is going to be going under the beams as well later in the month. So those are some of the solar phases we're dealing with. We will have a new moon at the end of the month in Pisces. So that'll help us to understand how we find meaning in life. So sometimes we think about the ideal structures that, that formulate our lives, our beliefs, our thoughts. When we get into Pisces season, it's much more about the, the myths, the mythological narratives and symbols that shape our life. And we'll, we'll talk about that in more depth as we, as we move forward. We're still gonna have Mars out of bounds for the entire month. And then we will have uh, the moon going out of bounds three times as well. Um, we have a few planets that are going to still be, I think, now there's some debate over the validity of this uh, technique as far as like if this is a real malefic enclosure or not, but we dealt with the Venus malefic enclosure last month. And now we have Mercury and the sun going through a similar pattern. So if you had some challenges with Venus, if you had some things that were not the end of the world, but were some, some tension or some things like that, uh, you might be experiencing some similar themes with the sun and Mercury and the, and the places that those planets rule. So we may have had some challenges in the Aquarius area of our life, uh, and that could have trickled out like the mycelium into the Taurus and Libra areas of our life. And this month, we may have some challenges with the Gemini and Virgo area, because those are the two places that Gemini is responsible for, or I'm sorry, that Mercury is responsible for. And then the sun is going to be responsible for the Leo area of our life. So we want to take a look at those three topics, or the houses that those three topics are related to in your own natal chart, and you have to know your rising sign for this. But we may have some feelings of being stuck uh, that we need to work through with that as well. Um, one last announcement before we keep going. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar, I am going to be doing a talk on the tarot and astrology for my good friend Adam Elmbass at Nightlight Astrology's Winter Speaker Series on February the 12th, which is also the day of the Super Bowl, but I will be doing my talk early in the day, and then you can watch football the rest of the day if that's your thing. And if it's not, you know, then just join me for Stars and Cards, uh, using the tarot as an astrological storytelling device. That's a free talk that you can sign up for with a link that is in the description of this video, um, or you can go to nightlightastrology.com and you can find that there. So that's something I'm pretty excited about, doing some research on that lately. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to make sure that my boom mic doesn't completely fall down. <laughs> this is, well, the moon's in the third decan of Taurus today, and oftentimes the third decan of Taurus is related to little things going wrong that you need to fix and this feels very much like that today with just little things that maybe i've been ignoring a little bit too long this boom has been getting progressively less stable and now it needs 
to be completely replaced. It's being held up by gorilla tape right now. <laughs> so you got to make do with what you've got for the day. All right. Just looking through the chat, friends. Ooh, Channel 12 is here from Vancouver Island. Hello, friend. Uh, Mad Hippies Life. Hello, Deb. How you doing? Nice to see you. Yes, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, one of my favorite bands. I really like that song from the beginning. I used to play that on guitar all the time. Um, pretty, pretty cool jam. Uh, yes, Lynn says it's their go-to work for music for work there as well. I love Baroque music because it, it has a nice pattern to it. Uh, sometimes I want music that has lyrics if I want to go on an emotional journey. Um, other days I don't want to get distracted by those lyrics, and I think that that's that's a nice way to 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 be able to focus and focus your attention. So yes, it's good stuff. Um, Lynn says, I saw evidence of some malefic enclosure between Aquarius and Libra in my chart. Okay, so you, you got some confirmation of that, Lynn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I felt, I felt it a little bit as well. So I'm kind of, I'm keeping my eyes peeled for some challenges around Mercury issues. Probably the Mercury malefic enclosure is going to start on the 22nd and go through the, the 2nd of March. And it's going to be the same pattern that, that happens. Sorry. Getting getting some mic issues here again. Um, the pattern is basically that we are going to see the planet make a trine to Mars in Gemini and then go into the malefic enclosure and then eventually uh, make a conjunction with Saturn. And forgive me as I rig up some more some more tape on my microphone to make sure that it stays up and that we can keep talking <laughs> the day. Oh boy, fun times. And then the sun's going to do that from the very, actually the sun, is, the sun one is going to happen first. The sun one is going to be, begin at the very end of, uh, at the very end of January. So this starts really tomorrow. If you're listening to this in real time, this will start tomorrow. I'm trying to MacGyver this thing up here. Um, and this is the joy of doing a live recording. So oftentimes you'll have to kind of figure it out on the fly. Okay. Let's see if that works. You can see that here. Fun. Um, so this will be, we'll be beginning this process tomorrow and trying to figure out what to do with it and whether we really feel it in our charts or not. And again, it's going to be starting with the trine to Mars and the conjunction with Saturn. How are you all doing today, friends? This is how my day is going with a, a microphone that doesn't want to stay in the right place. Do you see this? This contraption I <laughs> rigged up here already. All right, there you go. This is my... <laughs> oh, all right, there we go. Okay, the joys. So those are some of the big themes that we're seeing. Uh, Saturn's going to be under the beams for most of the month and then is going to emerge uh, on the 5th of March. So we're also dealing with Saturn issues 
being under the beams and like the, the support systems in our life, <laughs> like failing us maybe, or needing to be replaced or reevaluated. So I'm demonstrating this Saturn under the beams in real time. The supports that hold us up are, <laughs> are failing. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's see. Yeah, Rachel says, I can see you've studied your MacGyver on the fly technique. Well, my lovely partner, Tanya, brought me some Gorilla Tape. Like, this was right before I went on. I was like, oh, crap. Like, can you bring me some something to help me? She brought me painter's tape, which is not strong enough, but we'll make it so that, the, you know, the, you know, the, the sticky stuff doesn't get on there. And then this Gorilla Tape. And we're just making it work. Yes, Always show up for your life with duct tape and you'll achieve success, says Kate. Yes, 100%. I, I like that advice. That is really good advice. So get yourself some Gorilla Tape. This this talk today is sponsored by Gorilla, the Gorilla Tape Company and uh, by the, the trigger, trigger Point Grid Ball. <laughs> okay. Hopefully everyone can still hear me pretty well. Okay, so let's take a look at the beginning of the month. So we're looking at February 1st through February the 8th. We're starting off with the sun in the second decan of Aquarius. So here is the tarot card that's associated. <laughs> Sorry. Was Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. I'm laughing. Lisa Newcomb bought me a super chat. $4.99 for a new roll of tape. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> You all are the best and the funniest. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how this is going to go today, isn't it? Uh, we're just keeping it real. Real talk today uh, in Aquarius season. So let's, let's come back to the Six of, of Swords. Uh, so you can see a figure that is being ferried across a channel, a river, a lake, from one shore to the next. So we are looking at a, a circumstance where, you know, we, we originally, when things went into the first decan of Aquarius, this was, that's where it is now, um, where we may have had some kind of conflict or some kind of challenge where we feel like we've experienced some kind of defeat or disgust or injustice. And we're like, you know what, I don't even want to play by the games of, or by the rules of this game anymore. I'm going to go off into the, the unknown, the frontier and do my own thing. So now when we get into the beginning of February, we're going to be dealing with a communication phase. This is a Mercury rule deck in where we're going to be talking to people in the, the, in the exiled position and also trying to communicate with people that are in the center or in maybe citizen versus uh, exile. So, there's a, a liminal space quality to this card where we're kind of passing from one circumstance to the next. So it's a really good time to like, you know, have important talks to think about how you can move on from a certain situation. Because when we look at the next decan of Aquarius, we'll talk about that in a second, but we're really kind of, you know, taking the information that we've learned uh, and leaving town, right? <laughs> like going off into the unknown, retiring into the West, as Frodo would say. But this second decan between 10 degrees and 20 degrees of Aquarius is called Heaven and Earth in Austin Coppock's book and Celestial Navigation in T. Susan Chang's book, 36 Secrets. So book T calls it the Lord of Earned Success. 
and the book of Toth calls it science. So this is a very rational Deccan where we're trying to think of solutions to extricate us from a an, maybe an old belief system. This is, this is one of the things I think about with Aquarius is Aquarius is really related to purification, I think. There's a lot of flood myths that are associated with Aquarius, uh, where the gods look at humanity and some of the corruption that's associated with it and are like, you know what, we need to start over again. <laughs> so we may be doing this in our personal lives too, saying, you know what, we've, we've done this exactly the way that we need to do it. Now we need to try this a different way. We need to get rid of something that just isn't working like this boom stand and start over again. Um, and, you know, funny, funnily enough, the animal that we got this month really talks about that as well. And I'll, I'll save it for the end, but it's, a, it's an animal that is associated with the purifying, uh, the purification of water and clearing out the clutter and being able to communicate with people in a way that's, that brings clarity and releases us from the muck of our lives. So <clears throat> I think that's the beginning of the month. There's a, a sephira for that Deccan of Aquarius, and that's really an energetic center related to the Kabbalistic tree of life. It's called Tiferet, and Tiferet is related to the center, the balance point, where everything kind of comes together in harmony, and we're trying to balance out all these competing energies. So start off February trying to find balance within your life, trying to figure out which, which experiences should stay that you've learned from and which ones you need to move on from. Okay, building bridges. So let's see. So let's start in and look at the chart. All right. So here is February the 1st. And we are, let's just get the lay of the land before we dive in here. We've got the sun in its exile in Aquarius, about 12 degrees, 11 or 12 degrees Aquarius to start the month. Um, we've got Saturn in its own domicile in Aquarius, very strong. We have Venus uh, newly ingressed into Pisces at the beginning of this month, uh, an improvement in its condition after going through the malefic enclosure and coming in together with Saturn where we potentially were dealing with some kind of ending. And now Venus is in a place of universal, uh, universal love, consciousness, and sort of the ability to uh, practice acceptance, I think. Sometimes things aren't always going to work out perfectly, and the divine has a better plan for you than the one that you originally started with. Sort of like my plan today to do this talk with my boom stand in a certain position. There we go. Okay. And I think that Venus in Pisces is, is a really nice energy for just relaxing and saying, you know what? I've done enough. I am enough. Uh, I don't have to try to win love from people. I, I just need to be myself and search for a higher purpose that is motivating me to keep on going and doing, doing what I need to do. Um, this is going to be a theme. We're going to shift from the maybe some of the mental limitations that we've been dealing with in Aquarius season to the 
a search for a higher purpose. Oftentimes the, the disgust or the, the disenchantment of Aquarius can lead us to trying to find unity with source when we get to Pisces season. So those are going to be some of the shifts that we'll experience from the beginning of the month to the end. Figure out what, how to organize your life intellectually and then let go and let divine, right? Let go and let universe, right? Yeah, so Kate's saying sounds like a, a system update. Yes, for sure. Um, and Rachel's saying, I feel like a changing, changing a belief system takes time, much as we would love to start over. We have to begin to install new, the new system and communicate it effectively. Yeah, I think so too. I th- I th- I th- both very good comments and, and good understandings of this concept. You know, we, like, you have to, like, let's say you op- un- update the operating system on your phone or on your, your computer or something like that. It takes a little bit of time to figure out how to use it, like what the new rules are, what, where things are, you know, where the, how you organize. Um, and I think that if we have patience with ourselves, eventually, once we learn how the new system is going to work, we'll just let our intuition take over and then we'll be ready to kind of, um, work with it in a natural way but but we do have to kind of you know find where all the buttons are find where the you know where the folders are that we we might not be able to find after we update something can you tell that i just updated the operating system on my computer <laughs> there's some certain things that i'm trying to, still trying to find there um but yes the 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 awareness the consciousness and then that turning into intuition to me, that's kind of a, process, a learning process that, that I used to perform when I was a musician as well and a, and a teacher of music, where we, we learn the music theory, we learn the, the systems so that eventually in the moment when we're, we're asked to perform, they've become a part of us and they become intuitions. They become something where we don't need to think about them in the moment and we just react on instinct. So I think that that's the that is the 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 transitional process i think from aquarius to pisces on some level that we might be going through this month okay so we're also seeing uh so the sun's going to be hosted by saturn the beginning of the month and then it will shift to being hosted by jupiter and jupiter is hanging out in aries right now and it's kind of initiating a lot of new belief systems a lot of new patterns I don't know about all of you, but I've been really reviewing how I do my work and, and how I can energize myself to, to potentially accomplish more with my time, be more effective with my time. That's been some, something that I've been really interested in lately. And I've, I've, I've had some success over the last few weeks, but I really think that Jupiter is, is really initiating some new, new patterns that I think will be very helpful for us. Mars is still in Gemini. It's hanging out. Uh, after its retrograde system or movement, and it will be squaring Venus this month. Sorry, I'm munching out a snack. Um, I'll swallow for a second here. Okay, so Mars is newly direct. Mercury is now direct. We had, do have uh, Venus in the overcoming square to Mars which I do think is helpful for Mars. I know that there's some folks that are like, oh no, now we've got a Mars-Venus square going on in the sky. And yes, that could bring some tension. It could bring some tension between our desire to retreat from society into the recesses of our imagination and our mind, 
and potential uh, options for socialization and communication. Those could be the tensions that we're feeling. But I do think that when Venus is in the overcoming position, that's helpful for Mars. This is going to help us calm our mind down and basically be like, hey, we need to relax. We don't need to overthink this. We need to go into the, the, the deep oceanic consciousness and calm the, the monkey mind down, calm the voices down. And I think Venus is really going to be helping with that over the course of this particular month. Um, okay, so pardon me for one second. I, I started this talk early, and this is usually when I eat something. So I'm going to have a snack real quick. So I, I encourage you to have a snack. Maybe stretch your legs real quick. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I'll try not to do too much chunching into the microphone. All right. So a couple other conditions that we see at the very beginning of the month. I apologize for the haphazard, you know, uh, way this is going so far. <laughs> this is sort of like the first quarter moon challenges on some level. This is a, the, I'm doing this for the first time on a Sunday. And the sun in my chart's in the 12th house, and this feels like a very 12th house uh, live stream. <laughs> like where there's just all sorts of things out of your control. Um, so the moon is going to start off the month out of bounds. And, you know, oftentimes when the moon is out of bounds, we feel a little bit more emotional. We feel a little bit out of sorts with our body. Um, we, we may be feeling, uh, you know, deep, deep emotions. Uh, we may be going off on memory lane a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, friends. Venus is in Pisces. All of these challenges are allowed today. <laughs> Good. Thank you for your compassion. So the moon's going to be out of bounds from the first to the fourth. So we're going to begin the month with, with maybe our body's feeling a little bit, you know, out of sorts. But this is a great time potentially, I think, to do some, some cleansing, to take a bath, to clear the decks for the new cycle that's about to come. We're also going to be beginning the month with a Sun-Uranus square, okay? So the first three days or so of February, the Sun's going to be applying to a square with Uranus. So what does that mean? Well, let's, let's just think of it decanically first. We're going to be dealing with the, the Six of Swords that we just talked about, the transition from one shore to another, and Uranus in the second decan of Taurus, which is related to uh, a card that is showing um, one wealthy benefactor giving alms to the poor. So that particular decan can be related to generosity. It can also be related to giving and receiving. Some other esoteric uh, meanings of that decan are are the rhythms that are required to plant a garden and to maintain it. So we're probably going to get a shakeup of our routines where we're going to need to move on from a, 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 an old thought pattern, maybe in regards to our resources, maybe in regards to how we share and how we receive, um, and also how we just show up daily. 
I think that, that Uranus is shaking us up out of ruts in the second decan of Taurus. Um, for, for if you want some more personal connections, Uranus has been right on my natal moon. Uh, I have my moon at 15 degrees Taurus in my chart on the midheaven, and I've been really updating my, my daily habits. So I've been getting up a lot earlier. I've been uh, stretching and exercising a lot more. I've been kind of changing some of my, my office setup. Like I ordered a new chair that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's called a sprung chair. <laughs> I want to shout this guy out because it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a hybrid medicine ball um, chair that has lumbar support. And I'm just really excited about it. And you're going to see me probably moving around a little bit because what it does is it facilitates movement. And, you know, when I was a little kid, people wanted to make me sit still all the time. I, I always wanted to move around in my chair and and now we're learning that sitting in one static position is actually very, very bad for you. And, and I, I got really reamed out for that as a kid. Um, but now they're literally making chairs that, that say, hey, you should move your spine. You should move your hips. You should move your body. And, and uh, since oftentimes we have uh, things that we, we are responding to challenges. So the pain that I've been experiencing over the last few months has, has caused me to in my body, the moon. So this is, here's the connection. I've been having a lot of pain in my body because of a static position, because of a rut that I was in. And Uranus is coming and saying, you know what? You're probably not going to be able to do the work that you want to do if you're stuck in this rut. For me, I was dreading sitting at my desk because I was in pain after 20 minutes of sitting at the desk. I have this kneeling chair that I bought to try to resolve this before. And now I call it the torture chair. <laughs> because it, What it does is it just locks me into one position. I'm, today I'm sitting on a folding chair with, with um, pillows that allow me to move. And I have like a little ottoman that I can put my feet up on and like sit in like the, like a kind of a yoga cross-legged pose, which is, you know, it works, but this other thing's going to be a lot better. So the, the point being is that you are probably going to be experiencing some shakeups to your routines that may, they, and they may not be as intense as what I've been going through with like, you know, the body and the somatic experience. Although, you know, Taurus is definitely related to the body and feeling peace, Venus and balance in an internal yin type of experience. So you may have some body challenges that where you need to release a belief system to be able to come into harmony with the body. And again, Uranus is going to say, it's really important that you think outside the box, that you, you do something a different way, that you, sh you embrace the lightning bolt of awareness so that you can, you know, move forward with your life, right? Okay. Kate says, uh, I've had a sort of undercurrent of self-confidence inventory going on. Oh, good. It's like the chair is saying, can you make it, can you make it happen, Spencer? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Like, Oftentimes, the things that we surround ourselves with, which is a very Taurus theme, our possessions, right, are our, our, our extensions of ourselves. And to me, you know, paying attention to which body part is giving us signals is important. I, I was a big fan of Louise Hay's work where she was talking about, uh, what is that book called? You can heal your life 
which is related to like emotional um, connections with certain ailments. And the hips are about moving forward in your life. And like, I think for, for me personally, I was really feeling a lot of hesitation about making significant changes in my life. I had a lot of um, structures that went through enormous changes in the past year, like my mom passing away, my daughter moving away to college. These were all just these, they were support systems. They were routines that I completely based my life around. And with my hips tightening up, it was like, oh, I don't want to move on. I don't want to embrace this new persona that I need to become. And as I've come to terms with it, and as I've gone through the, the grieving process and the acceptance process, then new situations and, and things that support who I am now and the circumstances I have now will, will come to me. So I, I hope that, that you all are going through that type of experience. I mean, not, not one that's so intense or sad, but that you're embracing the changes that need to happen for you to be a reflection of the, the self that you are now, rather than the self that you were two years ago, maybe pre, pre-pandemic or whatever. There's been some huge changes we've all been going through socially as well that's really been changing our, our, our self-image on some level as well. Um, okay. Let me see. Kaylee is here. Hello, Kaylee. Uh, first time popping in live. I've got sun at 15 Taurus. Oh boy, Kaylee. So you <laughs> are feeling that Uranus, aren't you? So you're going to be getting a, a, you know, you're probably going to be feeling the sun Uranus square at the beginning of the month quite intensely. So I'm curious, Kaylee, to hear some of your stories of, um, you know, the difference between having Uranus on the sun and Uranus on the moon is probably uh, one of, uh, the mind versus the body on some level, uh, finding a sense of identity or in, in, instead of like, how do we organize our, our domestic or our physical space? This might be much more about who, who am I like, right? What, what am I now? Like, what is my, what is my purpose or goal or, or meaning? I think that's uh, something that can get really shaken up when we have Uranus conjoining the sun. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, Kaylee. Uh, Kate says, and you can actually physically fit in the chair. And if not, if not sustainable, what can you change to it for it to work? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the torture chair over here, for whatever reason, I couldn't adjust it properly for my body type. Like, I don't know if I was too tall or too short for it, but it just couldn't be adjusted properly so that I wouldn't like slump in it, which is the whole point. <laughs> like, so I was getting lower back pain and hip pain because I was actually slouching in it. I don't think I was even using it right. But when, when we sit too long in any position, that can create problems. Um, misinformed in motion says my kidneys and adrenal glands have been feeling uh, warned lately. Okay, so what would kidneys and adrenals represent? I would say the kidneys could be related to Libra, right? Or to Venus or balance. Um, so maybe there's a feeling of not being able to, and we have to think about what do they do also? They filter things. Maybe there's some, some old feelings, thoughts, or karma or situations that have been difficult to, to process, to purify. Maybe there's some toxins in your life, like it could be relationships, it could be people, it could be a job, it could be something like that, that you're having difficulty filtering out the negativity. 
Um, and this is just strictly from Louise Hay's book and from kind of my just off the cuff type of thing. This is not a medical show. So if you're having serious medical issues, see your medical practitioner. I'll give that disclaimer. These are just thoughts that are coming off the top of my head. Uh, Kate says, Taurus 10th house and how I show up is a big factor. Yeah, me too, 10th house Taurus. So how we show up for our, our jobs, for our careers, our public life. Raven says, Uranus has been in the first house and the ways it has been asking me to change and roll with the punches these past few years has been rough. A, a different experience with Uranus in the first house, isn't it? Um, much more related to the self-image that we have to ourselves. I think it could echo some of the challenges I was talking about before with the body potentially too, with the relationship with the moon, because the first house is related to the body and the, the character on some level in traditional astrology. So it could be a whole new view of, of how you view yourself and what your role is in the world or, or how you identify or things of that nature. Um, Rachel says, I have Uranus almost square my son feeling identity shifts on lots of levels, almost like a journey to finding a new place in the world, a more appropriate one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the Promethean fire of awareness that sometimes we suffer for that awareness. And in the Prometheus story, he gave the gift of fire to humanity, which was a, a divine right at the time. And he kind of was punished for it. So there, there's, there might be some, some bumpy patches along the way when you're making Uranian changes. Um, yeah, Lisa says balance and ability to just to change, which I think is in relationship to the, the kidney issue. Uh, Mad Hippies for Life, Deb says, so important to listen to your body and keep moving. I had a case of sciatica earlier this year. I've learned to move more often and stretch. Amen to that, Deb. I think that, I think we, we because of the way that society's gone and with uh, the, the, being on Zoom more and on the, the internet a lot more, we do sit and we get in these static positions and it is important to move around. And that's really the key is just, just staying flexible. I've been doing a lot of flexibility exercises lately, a lot of yoga um, or versions of it. I, I have what I'm calling stair yoga lately. <laughs> I have like a modified pigeon pose where I put my leg up on a stair and like the pigeon pose, but my other legs at the bottom of the stairs and then you can twist around like that. That feels really good, by the way. That that pose is is heaven. Um, but also get yourself one of these these trigger grid balls. They're pretty awesome too for opening up your hips. Rachel says in Chinese medicine, some of the kidney significations are related to water, winter, and fear, to our deep energy reserves and also deep level trauma. Yes, um, and I wonder if, if Laura Burns is here today too. I bet she would be able to chime in on that with the. Chinese uh, medicine signification. She does traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Um, but yes, that, that is a, that definitely would be something I think could be uh, part of that kidney energy. Kaylee says, well, my son is also my eighth house Lord. It feels deep. I began super serious astrology studies after my birthday. Hellenistic and cyclical patterns have been opening up like crazy. Well, good Kaylee. So it's, it is sort of like an identity process, right? Like like shining a light on something. Um, this is, this is we, we, sometimes we just need to see the most simple significations of a planet. The sun is light. The sun is awareness. The sun is clarity. So when we have Uranus hitting the sun, um, that can just be like a flash of lightning awareness that is, is just kind of shaking us out of some, some other uh, 
persona or identification. Um, keep going down. I love these chats. You all are so great. The chat today. Deb says core strengthening has become daily since the sciatica. Yes, we have to work on our strength. And that's the thing about aging. I think that, you know, we can still have uh, a, a comfortable life, but sometimes we have to work a little bit harder for it or just do some more things for maintenance. I guess I would say it's working smarter, not necessarily harder. Um, Kate says the electricity in my neighborhood was out through the storms and I read Prometheus mythology to my kids. Awesome. That's awesome, Kate. Uh, Rachel says I have a room where I can leave my yoga mat laid out and I do whatever I can each evening and throughout the day little by little becomes a lot. Yes, that's a great point, Rachel. One of the things that I think is important when we're trying to change our habits is that just getting started is is really important. Um, little tiny movements can lead to big changes. So like, for example, just leaving the mat out like that takes away a barrier to doing more movement because sometimes like it feels like an effort just to get the mat out. And I've been ch changing up my habits in the morning where I, I will set out all of my, I make a, 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 like a protein shake in the morning that has all sorts of good stuff in it. And I've been setting out all of the ingredients in advance before I do my meditations and setting out my journaling, uh, like books and, and um, my three ring binder that I use to journal in. Uh, before I even go down to sit down to my meditation. So I'm taking away steps that would prevent me from doing it uh, so that, that I can be present and just not have to think about it as much. So it's like like priming the pump for your day and for these habits. Like that's what we teach people in guitar classes too. If you have the guitar in the case, that's one step that can make it more difficult to practice. So put your guitar on a stand in the middle of the room that says, oh, every time you walk by it, maybe not in the middle of the room, but somewhere visible where it's not a big deal to go by and pick it up and practice because then you're more likely to do it. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. So many good comments here. Um, oh, so you're studying acupuncture too, Rachel. So, yes, so that's amazing. And yes, Laura is a professional, but but don't feel bad about sharing your, your journey here. I think it's really great when we start a new um, area of study and sharing what we learn in the in the community in the communal hive mind. I think it's it's a really great way to to uh, contribute. So so thank you, Rachel. Um, doo, doo, doo. I was doing stair yoga last night. Yay! <laughs> the banister is an ideal light height for leg extensions. Exactly. I've been doing leg extensions on the on the stairs as well. <laughs> so yes, just be careful if you're if you're on the stairs, you don't want to fall down. Um, Edwina says, remember, stretch, you've been live almost an hour. That's a great reminder, Edwina. Let's take a little stretch break here. I love it. You all have got my back. You've got my hips, right? So I'm kind of doing a modified pigeon pose on my chair here just to be able to get those hips stretched out and get a drink. I'm going to take this opportunity to just thank all of you for being such an amazing community. If you are enjoying these live streams and these experiences, please like the video. That helps get our message and our algorithm out to more people. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Turn on that notification bell. Sign up for the newsletter if you want to know when I'm going live again. I'll probably go live again in about a week to talk about the full moon. Uh, what else? If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy a super chat or a super sticker. That's always helpful. 
I'm going to take this stretch break opportunity to get a little snack. I appreciate all your patience today. This reminds me of um, Stormy Grace's Eat and Greet, which is an interview kind of thing that she did where she's a Taurus, and she's like, let's talk astrology and have some lunch together. And I think I, it was funny. Her and Michael Bryant, who's another Taurus, I think we're the first astrologers to actually eat <laughs> through the talk, which I found amusing. But yes, that's very Taurus. You know, you got to feel good. These these are another favorite that I have. These are uh, white mulberries, organic mul dried mulberries that I've been eating. So if you're curious... Some of the snacks that I like throughout the day. I've been eating almonds and walnuts. I've been eating apple slices and, and grass-fed cheese from Ireland. I believe it's Kerrygold cheese or some Dubliner cheese. That's what it's called. I eat goji berries and dark chocolate. Sauerkraut. I have some really good sauerkraut that I love from the Brinery, which is a local company in Ann Arbor, my friend David Klingenberger started that company, and um, yeah, those are the main things, and sometimes I'll have these little protein shakes, but it's good stuff. Rachel says, you can get dark chocolate covered mulberries, oh my god, that's so good. I want to know, community, what's your opinion on... I've been reading some things about dark chocolate lately that are concerning to me as far as uh, lead and other types of contaminants that dark chocolate might pull up from the soil. I can't remember the other contaminant, but I used to buy these green and blacks and the, the, they, were, they were testing green and blacks and they had the most amount of like lead in that. So I switched over to Simple Truth Organic 85% Dark Chocolate, but I'm not sure if it's any better. I'm just, I'm nervous about that. It feels like it's hard to get away from contaminants in our foods. And I know this is a little digression today, folks. We're just all over the place today. But I do think it's important to think about what's in our food and how we can contribute to cleaning up our environments. I get really frustrated when I hear about polluted food because I work so hard to eat right. Um, and when I hear about challenging food stuff, I get really, I get really depressed and angry. Um, but Rachel is saying, don't believe everything you read. I doubt the amounts that you're consuming are anything to worry about in the grand scheme of things. Well, that brings me a little bit of relief. I think overall dark chocolate is, is good for you. And I hope that you're right. Like I think that um I think it's a it's probably better than than not. And I eat a lot of wild blue blueberries too, which uh, help you to release heavy metals from your system or antioxidants. So I, I have a lot of foods that I'll get rid of that stuff in your body too. But I got a lot of Virgo placements and I really try to take 
decent care of myself. Okay, so let's get back to it. Thank you, friends, for the stretch break and the snack break. <laughs> Here's such a forgiving community here. Um, I'm looking through the chat. Edwina, that was a great call. Uh, love you for that, friend. Um, Lisa saying, been reading Atomic Habits in prepare, preparation for Pluto going into my sixth house. Lisa, that's a great call. Atomic Habits is a book that I also recently listened to on what is called Blink, Blinkist, which summarizes like nonfiction books into like 15 to 30 minute, like here's the point of this book. And Atomic Habits was one of the ones that that got me thinking about how to change my my daily routine. I've been getting up a lot earlier, going to bed a lot earlier, been pre-paving things and removing obstacles to that. So yes, that's that's a great book and a great thing to to check out. I'll have to try to listen to or read the the full version of it, but a lot of the little things that I incorporated in my day have been been through listening to books like that and that one in particular on this this app I have called Blinkist. Okay. Rachel says, our environments and the objects we surround ourselves with promote internal change. It's a two-way journey. Absolutely. Kaylee says, body break, indeed. Um, awesome, awesome comments here. It says, Dubliner cheese. Oh, yeah, all your dairy is grass-fed in Ireland there, Rachel. Yes, you are lucky. This is what I'm learning about food is that European standards and American standards are uh, very different as far as what is allowed in our foods. Um, there's a lot of foods that are actually illegal in Europe that we can, they still sell in America. And that, that, that is concerning to me. Um, so yeah, but yes, any good food recommendations, any healthy food exercise stuff, just, you know, just spam the chat with that. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about it. This is a Taurus moon day, right? We have to be comfortable today. I keep forgetting that we're doing this during Taurus moon that is hosted by Venus in Pisces. So it's going to be all about the body and giving ourselves some grace today to let a few things go, maybe not as, as according to plan as they might normally. Uh, Kate says mold. Mold is in chocolate too. Who makes good chocolate? Oh yes. Okay. So Send me links to all your favorite dark chocolates that are healthy and that are free of all the junk in it, and I will I will explore that. Tarya says, Spencer, you can have as much Taurus as you want having <laughs> that Uranus hoovering over your moon. Yeah, hovering over the moon, for sure. Hoovering is a good word, too, for Taurus, I think. <laughs> all right. Cilantro, yes, yeah, cilantro is good for eliminating heavy metals. We eat some, we eat cilantro in the house, uh, so we'll we'll add more of that to the diet. Um, Lynn says, "I decided to go with the fair trade brand of chocolate I like best. You can go crazy trying to find food that has no downside. Do the best you can." That's a good point, and that's a good lesson for Venus and Pisces. Oftentimes, we're all trying to do the best that we can, and and often it's just it's harm reduction, right? You know. We're, nothing's going to be perfect. And when we accept that there's going to be some imperfections, then I think that we'll, we'll feel a lot less anxiety around it. Although I will say that there are certain circumstances where we shouldn't accept poison in our food and we should fight for these corporations to, to hold themselves to a higher standard. This is how we got cleaner water in the 70s, how we got less air pollution, 
Um, I've been reading articles about how, unfortunately, that a bunch of rich folks at uh, what is called the, the Davos Conference have these really expensive air cleaning technology that's helping them have healthy COVID-free air. And maybe we need to fight for that in our internal systems as well, where in the air age, we need to really fight for upgrades to our um, filtration systems and things like that. So there's a balance to be had. You don't want to get too overwhelmed with it, but but also I think pushing back on the powers that be that are only doing things for um, profit over people and health is, I think that is important too. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yes, and Big Steph says animal welfare standards are much higher too in the EU. I agree, like, um, And Rachel says, I wonder if your green and blacks is the same as what we buy over here. I, I, that's a really great question. It might be different. It might be a little bit different. So we'll see. But that one, the whatever the version is they tested in America, tested very high for, for lead and another type of heavy metal that who, whose name is escaping me right now. Jody is here. Hello, Spencer and friends. My phone never notifies me when the notification thing's on. Sorry, Jody. Blame your Mercury and Sagittarius. Okay, let's get back to it, friends. We're, we are, I'll be here all day with you talking food. Uh, let's talk some astrology. Okay, so that was a long-winded way of talking about the sun starting off squared Uranus. Uh, as we move forward, we are going to see the perfection of Venus and Mars squaring on the fourth. So, in addition to the square between the, the Sun and Uranus, we're going to see Venus moving into that overcoming square with Mars. Now again, we, we just touched on this briefly, where we were thinking about Venus as related to acceptance, as related to compassion, universal love, uh, and maybe just not thinking as much, just being. And I think that this square may be related to the process of being in our relationships versus overthinking them. Like maybe we feel like we have too many options and we're really questioning our higher purpose um, because of different options that we could potentially have moving forward. So I think that because Venus is in the overcoming square to Mars in the beginning of the month, I think I would let, it, it's sort of like the, what Obi-Wan was talking to um, Luke when he was training with the lightsaber. And here I have my, my, trigger point grid ball that I've been singing the praises of. And this little, when Luke is training with this little device, it's shooting him and he's like, he's not really getting the point. And then he, uh, Obi-Wan puts a, a blinding shield uh, helmet on his head and says, let go your conscious self, reach out with your feelings, with your emotions, let the force flow through you. I feel like that's what Venus and Pisces is going to be saying to Mars at this point. It's like, you don't have to overthink this. Just go with your instincts, with your gut, and that could lead to even better outcomes rather than trying to rationalize every single part and thing. Okay, so that is Venus squaring Mars. Uh, that's going to probably, we're going to be feeling that from probably the second, first or second, all the way through the fourth when it becomes exact. When we get to the fifth, that's when we are experiencing our full moon. So all of these first few aspects are in context with this full moon in Leo. So let's, let's talk this down, or let's, let's break this down. 
And I want to give a shout out to Aligning Light Astrology. Dr. Claire Moon is here today. Welcome, friend. Nice to see you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this full moon. And again, we'll dive into this one in more depth, probably at the end of this upcoming week. I don't have a specific person in mind yet. I might go solo with that one. Sometimes when you're just trying to get through your day, doing all the scheduling things for having a guest feels like an extra number of steps. But I enjoy the guests that we have, so I like having people on here. Uh, so we have the sun hanging out in that second decan of Aquarius. And we have the moon in the second decan of Leo. Now, let's, let's use the tarot as our visual guide for this again. Okay, this is some of the things that we're going to talk about in uh, the talk I'm giving for Nightlight Astrology on February 12th, Stars and Cards, using the tarot as, a, as, to, as an astrological storytelling device. So, we're seeing the sun in that area of the zodiac that is related to moving on to passing from one state to the next, a liminal space, a leaving into exile, a refugee, if you will. In the Six of Wands, which is related to the second decan of Leo, we see a homecoming, we see a parade, we see a victory celebration from a military uh, victory of some sort, like a general coming home from war, being celebrated, and then going to the Temple of Zeus to make a sacrifice. So, what can we divine from this? Well, we have a tension between a leaving and a homecoming. So this may be, this full moon may be the question of, should I stay or should I go? Do I need to be celebrated for my achievements? Or can I do what needs to be done because it is the right thing to do instead of needing to have the applause? I look at that Second decan of Leo is like feeling not necessarily an attachment, but being celebrated for who you are, your authenticity, uh, getting the approval of the of the crowd and of the group. And in that, in all the Aquarius decans, there is a a a legacy that needs to be passed on, an intellectual legacy. Whereas I think Virgo is more about passing on a physical legacy. But Aquarius is saying, you know what, I can see how this is going to turn out. And you, you better wake up, humanity, before it's too late. And oftentimes when the Aquarian archetype person or idea comes out, people are like, that's too difficult. We're, we're stuck in our old ways. This is comfortable. You're crazy, right? Literally, you're crazy. And then a few generations go by. And the person that seemed crazy at first was actually trying to give an important gift to humanity. So I always counsel my Aquarian friends, and I think during this full moon, this will be important, is that there is probably something in your life that needs to be passed on, that needs to be done, that you might not get the parade for. You might not get the applause. You might not get the approval of the group, which is a very human need. Uh, we want to belong. We want to fit in. We, we live in these amalgamations and these communities. This is something else I'm learning in this wonderful book that probably is going to be our spring book club book, The Flowering Wand, Rewilding the Sacred Masculinity by Sophie Strand. And she talks about changing the hero's myth to one that is related to 
an individuation, right? Which is very much about what Joseph Campbell was talking about, becoming this heroic individual to maybe feeling like we are having these, all these different factors coming together at once. Like that's, this is something that, that was really resonating with me reading this book that I think is important for this particular full moon. Oftentimes we think that we're failing when we aren't going from point A to point B and quote unquote winning, right? Where we're, we're not like slaying a dragon or, or making a million dollars or, or getting a million followers on, you know, Instagram or whatever, TikTok, whatever it is. But that's not exactly how life works. Life isn't linear. We are, she's talking about ecosystems that come together and then sometimes disperse. So we have a, a relationship where each little piece influences another piece. And if you change one little factor in it, that can completely throw off the entire balance. But it, it happens though. That's part of nature. Ecosystems change over time. Our lives are these amalgamations of different factors. They're amalgamations of different desires, different people, different responsibilities. Sometimes things will come and throw a monkey wrench in the life that we're experiencing. We'll get an illness. Uh, someone we've counted on passes away or gets injured or moves out or a relationship breaks up. Those are all things that shift the ecosystem of our life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be able to continue on with that linear path. And I think that that is just so liberating, right? When you think about, oh, I don't have to be this narrow-minded version of what a hero, what it means to be a hero. This is, what she's doing here is liberating. I think she's framing it as, as masculinity and like, oh, there's only certain ways we've been allowed to be men. But I think that this applies on a greater scale as far as like how we are allowed to just be in the world in general. Like that we've been fed this story of like success. And that story looks a lot like the Six of Wands. But we are amalgamations of communities. We are mycelial networks. Uh, the, book, the book, Deb, is called The Flowering Wand, Rewilding the Sacred Masculinity, Lunar Kings, Trans-Species Magicians, and Rhizomatic Harpists. It's a brilliant book. This, this woman is a poet. She's a genius and a poet and very well researched. I'm really, really a fan of this book. She, and what she's doing is talking about how stories and myths pop up in different time periods, utilizing the, the, the needs of the community, the resources of the community of that time and space, and that they are connected to other myths it, like the sort of like Jung would talk about the collective unconscious, but it's it's more related to eco ecology and about being responsible eco citizens. And to me, just just a brilliant work. So about this full moon, we're going to have a square to Uranus. So. Not only are we going to be thinking about, should I stay or should I go? Uh, do I need credit? Do, am I feeling appreciated? Or do I need to feel appreciated for what I'm doing? Sometimes we do. And other times we need to accept that we aren't going to get that in the moment. And we may have to be patient for that and do what is right anyway. But Uranus is going to be adding something to the mix in this particular lunation saying, oh, 
Well, how about we, sh we completely shake up some of your routines as well? How about we shake up your, your relationship to your resources? Um, this could be something, if we see this in the collective, it could be something related to um, supply chains or something like that, where because of a need to do something and utilize resources in a different way, we have to get innovative. We have to move on from a particular narrative that was limiting, a limiting belief, a glass ceiling belief that I like to use from uh, an astrologer from Australia, Joy Usher, as she describes Aquarius, where we can see the possibilities, but we have this belief that this limiting belief that doesn't allow us to go past a certain point. And then also just the, 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 the pride that comes in of wanting to continue, either continue to do things the way that they were always done, a needing to return home. Um, and we're going to be feeling this, this pull and this tension at this full moon. And each of these planets are in a very fixed portion of the zodiac. The second decan, second decans of the fixed signs are a, a very immutable <laughs> position. It's right, the right in the heart of the season it, of the most like fixed energy. So there, I think that there is potentially some stubbornness that could come in with this. Um, we're also going to be starting to see Mercury applying to Pluto shortly afterwards in the third decan of Capricorn. So we're going to be evaluating uh, how we wield authority in the world and maybe dealing with some corruption with that. We do have Venus, you know, in Pisces still. So that's the strongest, I think the strongest planet besides Saturn. The sun will be co-present with Saturn, which means that we're heading towards that Kazemi moment. We're heading towards the the need to restructure our lives. So there may be some events in our lives personally and collectively that cause us to restructure. Okay, so I am looking through the chat. So many good friends here today. I'm just reading. Alley Cat's here. Hello, Alley Cat. How you doing, friend? Um, Jody says, I bought the book when you told us and I haven't started yet. It's up next. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm just reading it. Sometimes it takes me, I'm splitting my attention between reading the chat. Lynn says the book is divided into essays that aren't long. So it's easy to read a couple and think about them for a while. I agree, Lynn. I actually read this book uh, at the end of my day when I'm laying on the couch and I'm getting into that liminal state between waking and sleeping which I think is appropriate for myth and figurative language. And they're only like three or four pages long, which is a, a just a nice little bite-sized chapter before I start falling asleep with like covered in cats. Um, okay. So this is our full moon experience. Okay. I hope that we've broken down that uh, fairly well here. Uh, the, the other thing to think about just with that full moon briefly is that Yes, the sun and Saturn are co-present. So Saturn's really the big, the big challenge in this because the moon is also going to be hosted by the sun in its exile, which is relating back to Saturn. So really, I think that the tension might come from wanting to do things the way that you've always done them and having some kind of identification with how they've always been done, some kind of ego identification with how they've been done. So I, I think that my recommendation at this full moon is let go of the ego and say, what needs to happen for the good of the collective? I'm seeing a lot more uh, noise out there during Aquarius season of saying, 
you know, in the spiritual community in particular, this is from, a, a, I believe, a post from Louise, Louise Eddington, who is an, an astrologer that I really like, talking about how in the, in the spiritual fields, we, we really, we exalt the individualistic path and growth. And maybe to we need to return a little bit to uh, really embracing that to be a spiritual person is not always necessarily about individual growth. Sometimes it's about contributing to the whole and to the community. And I think the Aquarius season and this full moon in particular is going to be asking us those questions. Okay. And helping us to refocus to that. It's going to be so important when Pluto moves into Aquarius that we're asking ourselves, how can we be a part of a collective experience and work within that rather than just be an, an individual uh, island, okay? And we will have to maintain our individuality within that, but I think that that's, that's easier to do than, than you think. I think that when you know yourself, it's easy to find the, the role that you have to play uh, in relationship to others as well. So as we move forward to February 6th, we will see a sextile between Mercury and Neptune. So we will have to double check some details. We might, our minds might start to dissolve a little bit. There's a dissolving energy with Neptune. We might want to transcend some of our daily routines and habits. Again, we have Mercury getting closer to Pluto. So we're probably getting some information about how some of our organizational systems and authoritative thrones and seats of power are corrupted. Pluto always reveals things that have been hidden underground or repressed, or sometimes it deals with power struggles. I think that Pluto gives us a good opportunity, though, to identify things that we've ignored for a long period of time and, and transmute them into something different, to like break them down and then rebuild them. So uh, this might be something that we're dealing with in the, the mercurial areas of our life related a little bit to the Gemini and Virgo areas of our life, which Mercury is providing resources for. Okay. So that brings us to the eighth, where we are seeing another sextile between Venus and Uranus. So this could be another period of time during the course of this week where we are going to be doing something maybe out of the ordinary with our relationships, with our aesthetics, with what we love. Maybe this is a time to go on a, a new a new date night or something like that, or to to find a new chocolate bar or something. I don't know, some, something that's outside your normal routine uh, that could lead to a really nice experience. Um, I know on this day I'll be recording a uh, an interview with my good friend Shu Yap talking about the next uh, cycle of Saturn and Pisces. We're going to have a nice talk about that. So keep your eyes out for that on her new channel, Intercycle Astrology. That should be out a, a few days after this. And um, I call that, I made a joke with her. I called it ShuTube. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're on a new, you're on YouTube now, Shu. And I missed the opportunity when I was talking to her at the new moon. My partner exclaimed, shoot, it's shoe tube. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's, that's hilarious. Um, but, but she's a wonderful astrologer, and I'm really looking forward to my talk with her. Okay. So that gets us pretty much to the end of the first 
10 degree section that we're dealing with, the second decan of Aquarius. Again, in the final days of the sun being in Aquarius 2, we'll have the application of Mercury to Pluto. So let's go to the second decan of Aquarius. Let's stop the share for a minute and talk about it. Let's take this opportunity to do another stretch, get a drink of water, maybe eat an apple slice. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much, friends, for joining me today. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for just being you and allowing me to be me, unfiltered, without everything having to be perfect, without us having to put on these masks of perfection, these in Instagram filters of functionality. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you have to duct tape your life together, MacGyver style, and do the best you can. Make some crunching noises with your body, with your mouth. Oh, there you go. You see my belly button. Let's do a big stretch to the sky. Oh, man. I don't know if you could hear that on the microphone, but that was all of my my joints popping. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this new chair. The Sprung Chair. S-P-A, S-P-R-A with a little circle above it, like like it's like Dutch or, or, I don't know, Scandinavian or something. I just found it randomly on a Pinterest board. I was looking for ergonomic... Um, ergonomic office chairs and this one really stood out to me that was very interesting and I went through my whole like mercury retrograde experience of hemming and hawing over the right color and the right features and I eventually was trying to decide between teal and charcoal gray and I, I went with the charcoal gray and and then they were out of it so spirit was like you really wanted the teal one I was like you know what I did want the teal one Green is my brand. The heart is my <laughs> is my color. The heart chakra. So I'll have a teal green uh, sprung chair coming in the mail soon. And it will allow me to move, move my hips and just be in motion. I'll be in the, the ocean motion here. I'm just looking at the chat before we dive into the next section of the show. You all are so patient. I know that many of you are probably, some of you can leave and come back and you're like, oh, you're still going. Rachel will probably leave for a little bit and eat dinner and <laughs> come back. <laughs> Be like, oh, you're still going. Um, Kate says, I'll wish you happy birthday. Oh, so people are talking about, are, the Aquarians here are having birthdays. So happy birthday, all of you Aquarians out there. Kate says, The Wreck of Time by Annie Dillard is one Adam shared in class. Since I love it, wanted to mention and share. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check that one out. I just got a book that he posted about, which were uh, like hermetic meditations on the tarot. It looks like a really interesting book. I don't have that right next to me here, but I, I ordered that one recently too. Um, so happy birthday to all you Aquarians out there. Uh, Kate says, I love that you're encouraging these mini stretch sessions. Imagine if every YouTuber offered these mindful body breaks. Yeah, let's start the trend because we're all killing ourselves sitting in these chairs slowly 
and we should be able to spend time together. I like doing long form content. I don't like doing five minute, 10 minute videos. I just, I want to ease into it. I want to spend the time with you. I want it to be like we're hanging out here, you know, because we are. And that sometimes that takes time, you know, and if we're going to spend a couple hours together, we should be moving around. We should treat our bodies with respect and like we're in a coffee shop. We're not going to sit for three hours talking. We're going to get up and go to the bathroom. We're going to get a snack. We're going to move around and stretch out and we'll all be healthier for it. Our brains will work better. We got to model, model that kind of behavior, right? I think that's a great way to just be the change you want to see. So I appreciate that, friends. Um, yeah, so you did hear my back cracking. <laughs> I'll spare you the demonstration of the of the trigger ball. <laughs> but this thing, trust me, the first day that I got this little magic, magic murder machine, <laughs> right here, my hips were so tight, that I had like these like, really erotic groans that were involuntary that came out of me when I was unlocking my hips. It was, I couldn't help it. It just, it felt so good. It, it, you know, imagine you've been in pain for so long and you finally are able to unlock some of the pain and how, how much ecstasy that brings into your life. That was my transition from Venus into, into Pisces was like, Oh my God, that feels so good. I've been ho holding all this tension for so long. It's just such a relief. And when we are able to find those solutions, it's just it's just one of the great pleasures of life, I think, the very simple pleasures. Yeah, Rachel says, very you to find a Nordic chair. <laughs> I'll show it to you when I get it. Trust me, I'll talk all about it. What it is, here, I'll show you, because I think this is, I don't even care that we're going off on this like adventure here today. I think this is an amazing product and I want to share it with the world. This guy's probably like, oh, God, you're going to give me business and I'm out of stock. So check this out. It's so weird. It's so Aquarian. All right. So this is what the sprung chair looks like. So it has a yoga ball <laughs> like underneath it. And you like move around and like move. But what's great about it is it's got this awesome lumbar support, lumbar support here. Right. And it's got like... um you know, this, so there's this adjustable lumbar support and it's got a platform here. So you don't fall off it like a yoga ball, right? So you're not going to like fall off the chair or you're not going to see me bouncing around and rolling around. Like I, I think this thing's going to be amazing. So there you go. There's my weird Nordic sprung chair. <laughs> so, forgive me for all the weirdness today. Um, but I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be great. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, okay. Let's see. Reading through the chat. Reading through the chat. Um, this is the most embodied astro chat. Yes. Let's do that. This is this is what you get when you get moon and Taurus on the midheaven. We're going to embody this chat. We're going to embody the heck out of it. Okay. Uh, Rachel says, I find this whole community lovely and unfiltered. I literally do feel like we've been hanging out. Very unusual online to feel that. Well, thank you, Rachel. And again, that, that makes me feel really good because this is something that I've been missing during like the pandemic age is just being able to hang out with friends as much as I used to and, you know, have this kind of casual experience with people. So I try to, I try to my best to recreate that here. 
Raven says, I love this little community here. My Saturn in the 11th can make me so lonely and I enjoy spending time here with you all. Yeah, so I'm so happy to create that sacred space for you all here today. Um, so yeah, okay. Um, Jody has an ergonomic grooming chair. Nice, yeah, Jody works with animals, does animal grooming, I think, right? Yeah, Jody, I believe you're, aren't you a dog groomer? I think that's what I'm remembering. Uh, Kate says, big yes to embodiment. I need more of these days and the change up of routine Spencer is speaking about will be welcomed. I have a Virgo Venus. Yes. So Kate, with Virgo Venus, this is what I say with Virgo Venus. And I have a bunch of, I have Virgo, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. So I, I'm guilty of this kind of thing too. But the story that I've heard about Virgo Venus is that you're like, imagine your partner is making a beautiful meal and they are not following the recipe and they're just in the flow state or anybody that you know is in the flow state. And the Virgo Venus comes in is like, are you following the recipe? Did you put this in there? Did you put this amount in? Did you do this? Did you follow the, the, the instructions? And it totally gets them out of the flow state. And you know, you're not meaning to like do that. You're just trying to like, that's the way we're structured with, with some of those Virgo placements is like, oh, we've got we've to have a method and then when Venus moves into Pisces like this, it's like, like, look at me. These are the notes that I do for these, these lives, right? And th that's page one of four. And are we following the script here? No. But are we having a good time? Yes. <laughs> so you see, like, let, let things happen how they're meant to happen if you have Venus in Virgo. And and you're finding yourself in a Piscean space like we are today, you know, sometimes the divine has a, a little bit of a different plan and you go down paths you wouldn't normally expect, but something beautiful is created from it. Okay. Yes, Kate says, yes. I'm like, what are the macros? <laughs> Did you measure it? Yeah, see? See? So just let go and, you know, let go and let God type of thing. Let go and let divine. Let go and let animate everything. Um, that's the new, that's the word for God, I think, in Sophie Strand's book, The Animate Everything, which I really, I really like. Okay, Castle Rock is here. Hello, Castle Rock, here from the sub-zero temperatures in the upper Midwest. You have a 14-degree Aquarius moon conjoined Saturn, so yay, feeling it. Oh, yeah, you're going to feel, you're going to feel that sun Uranus square at the beginning of the month, friend. All right, let's keep moving. At some point, during these shows, we'll get to the point where I'll be like, I got to go have a bathroom break. <laughs> You'll just talk about yourself for five minutes. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but someday when, when we've built enough trust between each other, <laughs> we'll do that. Okay. This is the Seven of Swords. Uh, the Seven of Swords is called the, uns the Lord of Unstable Effort in Book T and the Lord of Futility in the Book of Toth. Austin Coppett calls it the knot. T. Susan Chang calls it the divided mind. It is a, a, a lunar decan after we have been dealing with a mercury decan. So we could think about it as maybe being related to the body, related to change. Okay, so we have the moon in a Saturn sign, right? So we're, we're trying to find solidity, structure, but the moon is creating changes and instability. Uh, and going through different phases and cycles. There is a spirit with this Deccan that I think is important. It's, and it, it, it's, it's Osiris, which was the Egyptian god that was murdered by his, his partners, his, his wife's 
Isis's brother Set and scattered across the countryside. And Isis had to resurrect and collect all these pieces to, to put him back together again, to mate with him, to, to give birth to the next god in the series or the cycle, Horus. And then Osiris was murdered again or something. There's various versions of it, and he became the lord of the underworld. So what can we pull from that story around Aquarius 3? Well, many of the decanic authors talk about a growing disgust and frustration in this decan. And we can see that with like an unstable effort, right? We see it literally see a figure that is sneaking away into, into the unknown, carrying some knowledge. Swords are related to air and to maybe thoughts and wisdom, carrying some ideas, leaving some ideas behind. So maybe we are revisiting some circumstance in our life temporarily, resurrecting something temporarily, but then with the express need to create something new and to move on from that. I like th this Deccan feels to me like the it's time to move on. It's not time to stand your ground. It's not time to fight anymore. That's really the third Deccan of Leo. This, this, this Deccan of Aquarius is tough for me. I, I, will, I will admit, friends, Aquarius season isn't always my favorite because I'm a Leo ascendant. That means that my first house ruler is in exile. And I've had some really tough stuff come up in uh, Aquarius season in the past. But this is the this is the decan of my ascendant, which is the third decan of Leo, and you can see the dif the difference in these. One is like I'm gonna fight and stand my ground. I'm gonna, you know, dig deep for courage and to to make a Herculean effort to to overcome my attackers or whatever it is. Where this one is like I'm gonna use my my guile and I'm gonna sneak out. I'm not I'm not gonna fight anymore. I'm gonna maybe maybe it and it's not saying one is better than the other. I think that there are certain circumstances where you'd be wasting your energy and effort if you continued to fight, if you continue to try to stubbornly stand your ground. I've had to learn this as, as a third deck in uh, Leo rising. There are certain circumstances that were completely out of my control that it was better for me just to surrender and say, you know what? I'm not going to try to defend. I'm not going to die on this hill anymore. <laughs> right? So, the, so the, to me, that, that Deccan of Leo is like, oh, I will die on this hill. Come hell or high water. Deccan of Aquarius that we're dealing with between February 8th and February 18th, the end of the Aquarius season. Don't die on that hill. Right? You may have to let go. You may have to know how to create uh, an innovative solution to, to extricate yourself from a difficult situation. Um, so embracing the unknown, untying or releasing old karmic knots is what Austin talks a lot about in 36 Faces. Departure from a difficult situation, taking the wisdom with you, but discarding the rest. There's going to be some ideas that you just can't, you know, keep afloat anymore. Um, feelings of disenchantment and discontent, growing disgust and frustration. I think of this, this deck always reminds me of Frodo. Like the very end of the Lord of the Rings where Frodo is getting on the boat and retiring to the West, right? He's like, you know what? I can't go home again. I can't go back to the Shire. This, is, this would be him returning to the Shire. He's just, he's too changed. He's seen too much. This to me is the decan where it's like, I've seen too much. I can't go back to that situation. It's just not working for me anymore. I'm going to have to embrace the uncomfortableness of trying to find new meaning in a different situation. But this might be the part of the experience that we're going through with this. Okay. 
All right, I'm looking through the chat. Says Alley Cat says, I don't know why, but the Seven of Swords is one of the cards I dislike drawing the most. Well, the it's an uncomfortable energy, Alley. I think that it's it's one of those energies where it really is associated with feeling dissatisfied. Like the, you're feeling dissatisfied enough that you're finally like, I've had enough. I'm done. That the story that I think about with this now is there was a few years ago in the Olympics where American gymnast Simone Biles was feeling a lot of pressure to perform in, in Leo season. But Jupiter was in Aquarius. It was in Aquarius 3 during this period of time. And she was feeling so overwhelmed that she, was, she had a condition called the twisties where she, she would lose track of her body when she was going off the, the, like the oh, I don't know, doing flips in the air. And it's a very dangerous thing if you're a gymnast. And instead of going out there and standing her ground, which could have literally endangered her life, she said, you know what? I've accomplished enough. I'm going to sit this one out. And she got some heat for it in the beginning, but she got a lot of praise for it eventually. Jupiter, an action that brings honor and merit by not participating, by sitting one out. Um, Eventually, she went back and won a bronze medal at the end of it. So it still worked out well but she was just a victim of her own standards and other people's expectations and at the end of the day she had to say say you know what i don't care what you think i don't care what you think of me i don't care i've already done what i've needed to do i don't have anything else to prove i think that's another thing with this deck is i don't have to prove anything to anybody else all right so that might be the vibe that we're experiencing with this as well Castle Rock says the Seven of Swords starts to bring in a little bit of the Piscean escapism. Yeah, I, I think that those, honestly, if we look at the two cards that are in succession to one another in the Decanic system, the Seven of Swords and the Eight of Cups, they do feel fairly similar. Like this to me is like a reflection card where it's it's lunar. So we might be reflecting on the old situation and saying, well, what final essence do we need to glean from this before we move on what final information do we have to carry with us and then finally you know you go off into pisces one you're like i'm i'm done i'm going off into my imagination i'm going off into the wilderness i don't i'm going off to be a hermit right i don't need to do any of this anymore and we'll talk about that in a second but let's look at the chart yeah both of them yeah castle says both of them are like bye (laughs) yeah uh yeah big steph says you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them exactly exactly and some like i said you learn this in the I Ching too sometimes it's smarter to just withdraw you'll live to fight another day every fight is not worth fighting sometimes you just exhaust your energies and and the outcome that you're creating is not not going to be as fortuitous as if you just would let it go for the the day this is Again, this is really hard for me as a Taurus moon, Leo rising, Cancer sun even, which is very, it's actually a very tenacious sign. Letting go and knowing when to quit is very foreign to me. I, I, I was an athlete as a young person and I was not like the most athletic person. I was, I had, I would say average athleticism. I'm, I'm of average size. I'm not small or like huge. I'm not like overly fast or anything like that, but I was very tenacious and I would, I was the type of person that would completely exhaust every inch of my body and energy 
like I do in these things. Like I had, I had a pretty good endurance for, for doing sports, but I would completely like, like just, just exhaust myself, like, and get really angry at other people that wouldn't do the same type of effort. I wasn't very popular as a young hockey player <laughs> because I'd be like, why aren't you all, you know, skating? Like, get out there. Let's go. <laughs> like, you know, like, like I think of like Tom Brady, like how much of an asshole he looks like on the sidelines when he's like trying to inspire his teammates. And I'm sure sometimes it works. And sometimes they're like, screw you, man. Like, you know, it's, we're done. Like, but that was kind of the energy that I had as a young person, as a young Leo rising. And I think Aquarius is different. Aquarius is like, let's, let's use our intelligence. Let's use our guile and our wit to, to, to take care of the situation rather than just like trying to, to ram a square peg into a round hole type of thing. Okay. Um, it's amazing how far I think sometimes we come from our younger selves to our older selves, just thinking about all the humbling lessons that I've had as a 12th house son, Leo rising, uh, where I just had to totally just get my ego just smashed into pieces to learn to rebalance that energy. Um, yeah, classic Cancer Leo takes the ball home and pout energy. Yes, Cancer, like for sure. Um, and you know, it brought me some success. I I I was a I was a competent athlete, and I I had some successes when I was younger, and it was a big part of my life. Uh, but there were lots of lessons in it. There were lots of character building experiences that I think are um, they're important as you get older. Sometimes there are different phases of life where fighting like that is maybe appropriate, and then there's other phases of life and different situations where it's much smarter to let go and to uh, try to, to utilize your energy in a more efficient way than, than just trying to like power through with, with passion and courage, right? I, <laughs> I think we exalt that in this culture and, and it's not always the right, the right situation or the right um, response. Okay, so this is February, we're looking at February the 10th, specifically like 9th and 10th, because the first kind of thing of the third decan of Aquarius is we're going to be seeing the perfection, perfection, perfection of Mercury and Pluto at about 28 degrees of Capricorn. So I've been hinting at this as we've gone along with February and recognizing that there's probably some system. I look at the third decan of, of Capricorn as our, our systems, right? Our the organizational patterns that we have that are bringing us uh, management. It's like upper management. It's like, you know, being able to say, okay, this is how we're organizing our life. This is how we're organizing our, you know, responsibilities, things of the, all of those types of things are really important to the third decade of, of Capricorn. Um, we may feel like we're taking on too many responsibilities at this point, too. And sometimes when we take on too many responsibilities, we start to fold and crack under the pressure. So to me, Mercury is a planet that asks questions and says, how can we, is this what we should be doing? Is this, you know, it casts things into doubt sometimes. So you may be asking yourself questions about all the responsibilities that you've taken on. You may be coming and having communications and exchanges 
with authority figures to deal with corruption. And I know I, I use that word a lot with Pluto. I don't think it's necessarily something to always be afraid of. Sometimes corruption is just re related to it's being disorganized, be having something that's been repressed that needs to be dealt with. Think of it as entropy too. Like oftentimes things that were once ordered fall into disrepair and we just have to deal with it. Like for example, yesterday I, I helped uh, the, my downstairs neighbor fix a drain that was clogged up and we got this like auger that we, we, we twisted around. We pulled out a big chunk of like dirt and hair. And sometimes that's just how things, it, it wasn't through any, you know, like bad behavior or anything like that. Sometimes just stuff goes down the drain and it gets plugged up. So try not to think of it as like the end of the world when you see a Pluto contact like this. There's just things that we, we have to ignore sometimes to be able to function in our daily lives. And then when we have a planet contact Pluto like this, it's just saying, you know what, now it's time to deal with this. You've, you've ignored it long enough. If you ignore it any longer, it's going to create a bigger problem. So might as well deal with it. So that's the first kind of like energy that we're going to feel in this uh, Aquarius 3 type of session that we're going through, this 10 degree uh, journey. Um, when we get to the 11th, after, directly after this contact with Pluto, Mercury is going to move into Aquarius. And this, this really echoes many of these other planets that went through this over the last month, where they would contact Pluto. They would, there would be something that you'd have to deal with. Maybe you came into a communication with a corrupt power structure where you're like, you know what, I'm tired of playing by these rules. I don't like this game. I don't like this structure, this organization. I'm just going to go off and do things in a completely unorthodox way. And this may be true for Mercury as well. This could be true with like matters of commerce. This could be true for areas that are supporting um, your Gemini and Virgo areas of your life, the topics associated with that, where you're like, you know what, I'm just, this isn't working. Let's just think outside the box completely with Mercury moving into Aquarius. So it, it starts off in the Venus rule deck. And so you may be finding some beauty in going off and doing it your own way and utilizing resources or, or communities that have been discarded by others. Uh, and now Mercury will be co-present with its host Saturn instead of in a aversion, although there is a Hellenistic technique called like and girding that was feeding resources to Mercury, but now there's a more direct line of communication potentially. Okay, so when we get to the 13th, we're going to see the square of the sun and the moon. So here is the square. This is the last quarter square now. So we had the full moon. We had something come to light about our, uh, should we stay? Should we go? Should we stand our ground? Should we let, let go? Uh, should we move on in a new situation? How do we change up our routines? And now we're consolidating all that wisdom in the last lunar phase around February the 13th. Now, the, the, the challenge I'm seeing with this is that the, both the sun and the moon, the lights, are ill-dignified. They are in exile and fall, respectively. So the sun is in exile and the moon is in its fall. So there's a discomfort. There's a, uh, something where we're just not really in harmony with the way things are normally done. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means that 
if you have like exiled or detrimented planets, it means that you do things in a slightly different way that is somewhat out of alignment with the way the planet would prefer to operate. Uh, for example, I have Jupiter in Virgo, which is an exiled Jupiter. Generally, Jupiter likes to, to bring concepts together into harmony. Uh, it likes to see the big picture uh, type of things. You know, because you've been sitting with me for almost two hours now, that I like to find meaning in the details. So with Jupiter and Virgo, I, I tend to break things down into categories. I break things down into minute details. And sometimes that hurts my ability to see the bigger picture. But sometimes it works. So again, it's not necessarily that it's, it's completely dysfunctional. It's just that it's very outside the norm. So we could be feeling that at this last quarter moon. We may be feeling a, a need to release old forms, particularly with the moon in the third decan of Scorpio. Uh, it's a very important that you don't try to keep a, a fading form, a dying form, alive through your illusion of it. There, this, there's a seven of cups energy with that last decan of Scorpio, where we may be trying to we may be trying to convince ourselves that something isn't isn't dying, and I think of this Deccan as like a necromancer, where we're we're trying to breathe life into a dead body, and we can go through all sorts of deba debauchery is the name of the card. We can go through all sorts of debauched situations, trying to keep this thing alive, trying to breathe vitality into something that really needs to be composted. The image I really think of with this deck and now is like Norman Bates trying to keep his mom alive in the in the basement and doing all sorts of horrible things while she decays in the basement. I mean, I know that's really intense imagery, but at the end of the day, he would have done a lot less damage if he just accepted that she was gone and moved on. So for us to be able to move on to a new shore, a new experience, a new idea, we may have to compost an old physical form at this point. So it's a great time to clean your house. It's a great time to like get rid of some stuff. It's a great time to, to release old toxic emotions too. Release old addictions and habits. I found with this decan of Scorpio, uh, a lot of people that have prominent pl placements with this have dealt with various challenges with addiction, whether it's alcohol, food, drugs, sex, whatever it is. There, there's and many of them actually are successful overcoming those challenges. So this may be what we're dealing with too, like releasing a bad habit that isn't serving us anymore, potentially. Okay, you can also see during this period of time that Venus will be applying to a conjunction in Neptune. Now this is a very idealistic type of experience where we have Venus in the third decan of Pisces, which is related to the Ten of Cups, which is a, a, a decan associated with crusading energy, with like sacrificing for your vision. So maybe to be able to move on from your old habits, you have to really get into alignment with your why. Uh, you want to, again, be careful with your habits around this period of time. Anytime a planet is contacting Neptune, it's easy to kind of overdo it with substances and things like that. Um, I've found that, that, you know, Neptune's also associated with anesthesia and stuff like that. So altered states of consciousness, potentially. 
so if you are experimenting with those mind-altering substances, be, be careful around this period of time, especially because of the square between those two lights. Um, but I think that with Venus coming together with Neptune, there could be a real a glamorization of the maybe even a martyr martyr type of experience where we're saying I have to sacrifice everything for this cause. So what I would suggest is just make sure that the cause that you're sacrificing for is worthy. I, I think that oftentimes we we martyr ourselves for causes that aren't worthy, and that can end up being really damaging and self-deprecating and, and stuff like that. So just really try to get clear on whether you know the situation that you are giving up something for is is worth it. Okay, let me look at the chat here. Castle Rock says, uh, I'm feeling creatively blocked in a big way since the sun ingressed into Aquarius. Like nothing feels like it fills my cup. Sounds more extreme than it is, but it's a major blot energy. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, Castle Rock, you're probably in the dead of winter too. And I, and I don't know what your chart looks like, but I think that Oftentimes we get the winter, the winter blahs around this period of time because we feel so detached from sometimes from our communities, from the, the, the vital sunlight. Uh, I've found that I, I have this kind of like sun lamp that's really been helping me get through a Michigan winter. So I just turn that on just to give myself some more light, right? Um, so there are ways to combat that, but sometimes you have to lean into the discontent too. I've learned that that feeling is often a precursor to a major breakthrough. And I think instead of always trying to resolve that feeling, we have to like sit with it for a little bit and let it work on us and pay attention to its message. I think oftentimes things like depression, they, they, they have deeper um, causes. And instead of trying to treat the symptom, which is the feeling of depression and feeling of not feeling energetic or meaning, we we have to look deeper and say what is making us feel like this what do you what could be contributing to this maybe there's a bigger change that is trying to erupt from underneath our subconscious and i think that when we lean into that a little bit uh we can find some really really good solutions potentially okay Let's see. Yeah, Castle Rock's a fellow Jupiter and Virgo. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, Virgo is a sign that is also associated with divine discontent, with a goddess coming down to Earth to teach humanity about the rules of incarnation and then getting so disgusted that she's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going back up into the stars, right? I, 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 that is a, uh, something I've had to work with in my own um, life is not getting too worked up of my feelings of of imperfection, disgust is the word that I would like for it. Like in my household, we have a pretty significant compost pile and it's really hard for me to take the compost out because I just get really skeeved out by decaying matter, which I think is a real Virgo thing. I just, the smell of like something decaying is just, it, it just makes me sick. So I have to kind of delegate that particular responsibility. Um, but I, I try to take on other ones that, that my partner might not like. So you, you try to make it work, right? Rachel says, a small detail can sometimes speak to the big picture in a beautiful and succinct way. I too have this Jupiter and Virgo. Oh, Jupiter and Virgos unite. <laughs> I love it. 
Uh, Deb says, it's an evolution of experience. I find most people cannot relate to what the moving meant and felt like. Yes. Okay. So we're, we are trying to figure out how to move forward, right? Okay. Speaking of that, move my spine a little bit here. Get my shoulders moving. Uh, letting go of toxic and neurotic attachments, Kate says. Yes. Uh, mad hippies for life, Deb says. Neptune is sitting on my Saturn and approaching my Mercury. Oh, no. Again, this this podcast in particular, uh, I am a little bit of a Neptune. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Neptune fan. Although, I will say, I have Neptune trying my Ascendant almost exactly from the fifth house. So maybe I need to embrace it a little more because it's, it's a, it's a part of me. Um, and I found that my Neptune, my, my best Neptune self was when I was doing my music and my creative stuff. And, and I was able to, to create, I guess, that transcendent glamour illusion type of thing, spiritual, you know, release through, through surrendering through my music. I need to get back to that. That's another piece of the puzzle I'm trying to reincorporate into my life is the music part and the creativity. I've really been expanding my astrological knowledge and tarot and things like that, but someday we'll get back to it. All right. Oh man, all the Jupiter and Virgos are standing up to be counted. Carol too. Big stuff says, I just call this hibernation season and embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. Castle Rock is confirming the disgusting, this disgusted feeling. No, I mean, disgust is actually a, uh, it can be a healthy emotion. Like, I, I don't think that we need to like try to suppress those types of feelings sometimes. Uh, the, the Virgo disgust helps you stay healthy by recognizing when something isn't good for you. Like if you have like a piece of fruit that's covered in mold and you eat it, you're going to get sick. But if your disgust mechanism is working properly, you're going to be like, I'm not going to eat that. That needs to be far away from me. That will make me sick. I'm learning. Uh, I had this discussion with my partner the other day. Virgo to me feels like a last quarter moon on some level. I have a last quarter moon in my chart and my partner has a first quarter moon. One is waxing, one is waning. And my partner is really good at creating, manifesting, embodying things. I am realizing that what I'm actually very good at is eliminating things that are unhealthy. And sometimes we get in arguments about that, but other times our energies are very complementary. And think about this too. If you have a waning moon, some of your genius may actually be in eliminating the things that are harmful. Uh, for people. So uh, there's nothing wrong with a healthy disgust mechanism. There's nothing wrong with calling out some things that aren't healthy for us to be able to free up space for something that good to come through. Yeah, Jody says, I think every emotion is necessary for individual growth. 100% Jody. Amen to that. Claire says, Neptune and the art slash spirit part is cool, but man, it's sure, not sure it's worth some <laughs> worth it sometimes. But it's on my moon right now, so I'm negatively biased. Shakes fist at Neptune. Yes. Yes, I have a somewhat of a negative bias towards Neptune. So 
always keep that in mind when I'm talking about Neptune, if you're like a super Neptune stan or fan. Um, I'll, I will say this. There's a book I've been meaning to read that I have not dived into yet. It's Neptune by Liz Green. And I'm sure that I will find some, some positive things in that book to be able to shift my perspective on Neptune. So if you are a Neptune fan, you know, don't, don't take my word as gospel. Like it's just one, one particular aspect of it. What I will say about Neptune is I do feel like it has a really intense dissolving energy, which tends to dissolve form into substance. And I think that that to me is, uh, I find truth within that. All right. We're at the two hour mark. This is a great opportunity to take another five minute stretch. Friends, you are the real, the real uh, endurance crew here. If you're still with me here today, you've been hanging out, talking, talking stars, talking planets, talking cards, getting snacks, stretching your body out, experiencing the flow, the imperfect flow of being incarnated. The decay of matter, the decay of my uh, boom mic stand, the, the joys of aging, the privilege of age, aging. This is always something that people get on me about when I complain <laughs> about my aches and pains. It's a privilege to age, which is true. I think that is, that is wise. Not everybody gets to age. The question is, how do we age gracefully? How do we accept the process? How do we enjoy the aches and pains? How do we embrace the crow's feet in between our eyes and our smile lines? You know, I think that this culture in particular is very youth-focused and obsessed. And I think we can start shifting that narrative and returning to the appreciation of our elders and of wisdom. That's something I think is important. I was thinking a lot about trees lately, friends. I've been watching this show. <laughs> I've been watching this show that's just ridiculous. It's called The Legend of Vox Machina. It's basically like a, a very... Uh, <laughs> it's like a it's a dirty cartoon about dungeons and dragons and i've really been connecting with the 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 druid uh priestess the druid half elf and her relationship with trees and tree magic and utilizing the powers of nature and it's been setting my imagination off in like wanting to study uh druid culture and and tree nature spirit spirituality and, and learn about trees and things like that so i'm just thinking that was a loose chain of association to think about the age of an old tree we just have so many beautiful old trees in my neighborhood we have like 300 year old oak trees that are just like, like six feet or six feet wide they're amazing and we have my favorite tree is the white pine i love white pines for some reason i love quaking aspens so that being a roundabout way of saying that, you know, aging can be beautiful and those trees can teach us that, that wisdom and things of that nature. But if people have more 
uh, nature spirituality resources. Send them my way. This I think this is being inspired by this flowering wand book, but also uh, the legend of Vox Machina. It's not for children. It's not a children's cartoon, just so you know, but it is very funny. Um, and it is really inspiring the inner D&D D and D nerd in me, <laughs> which, it, which I've never really been like, I never got super into it. I'm fascinated by it, but I think that it's another system that would take an enormous amount of time to master. And right now I just don't have the time to, to dive into it fully. But if at some point in this community, we want to start like a Dungeons and Dragons club or something, I think that would be cool. Maybe this is my Uranus Mercury trine moment that we have the Spencer Michelle Astrology Dungeons and Dragons Club where we just get together online and do some D&D or something and you all can teach me about it. Um, okay, let's see. Jody says, aging in trees is beautiful, not so with humans. I don't care how much they try to embrace it. Well, Jody, that's like just like your opinion, man. But now we, we have to learn to view it as beautiful. We, we really get... We really get, uh, I don't know, man. This whole late stage capitalism really, really puts us through the mill with aging, and I think it's, it's kind of a shame. Um, Tarya T, is it your birthday? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, but as soon as I join you, I see a chart thirteen two thirteen, and that's my birthday. Well, happy birthday on the thirteenth of February, Tarya T. Happy Aquarian birthday. Uh, you have an interesting solar return chart here. Raven says, oh my God, I want to join the D&D club. <laughs> this is just like some total random thought that came into my mind. There is absolutely no, <laughs> no structure around that, but let's see. That would be fun, like having some kind of like, you know, astro D&D club. For those of you who, who don't know, a few years ago, I tried to create a, uh, I had a class, I actually did a class. It was called Domiciles and Deities. And it was like a, a an astrology based D&D sort of like uh, game. And I was, I had this, these grandiose ideas about it. Maybe I should revisit it, but I was thinking about how can we create a D&D type of experience, but using astrological themes and charts and stuff like that. So I'm speaking out loud, uh, but maybe there's some room for that potentially at some point as well. I even have like the character sheets made out like, you know, oh, you're, you're a, a half elf or something that is, you know, your deity is Saturn and you have Saturnian powers and things like that. And I don't, I don't know. Well, that's for another time. Let's keep rolling, friends. Yeah, Alley Cat says, "How about D and D, but with characters based on our charts?" Yes, exactly. That that was uh, I'm telling you. I had I had a whole Instagram channel around this. Like I had I had this all worked out, but maybe we can group group mind it at some point because I think that would be super fun. I'm I'm really into the um, game gamifying life. I think that having a little more fun in life and fun with astrology is important too. Um, so. Let's see. So if, if, if all of you out there are thinking about this, like, you know, try not to completely steal my idea. <laughs> but, but if you want to make this, uh, if you want to flesh it out, 
just maybe include me in the process and that I will, I will be a, a part of the team. All right, friends, let's keep rolling. So that's our Venus Jupiter conjunction that is at the last quarter moon. The other thing that starts happening around this period of time is two things. So around the 16th, first of all, I just want to show you that the sun and, and Saturn are starting to apply uh, to a conjunction. So this is, we're going to start feeling that sun-Saturn energy coming together, the Kazemi of Saturn. Um, we are also simultaneously seeing Mercury at the bending of the nodes. So let's talk about these two things together. Uh, let's talk about, first of all, let's look at Sun-Saturn. So it's going to be applying within three degrees starting around the 12th or 13th. And that's a, that's a condition in traditional astrology. I believe the word is cholesis, which is an application. So you're going to start to feel this energy where uh, Saturn is going into the heart of the sun. So even though Saturn is moving slower than the sun, you can think of it as the sun, the sun and Saturn is like kind of merging together. Saturn is going into the furnace of the sun and is going to be uh, reborn. Now this happens once a year. The sun always comes around to hit Saturn once a year. So it's not like this great epochal changing thing, although it can really change our vision of what we are, how we're structuring our lives. So think about what you want to take with you from this last cycle, what you want to leave behind, and what ideals are going to shape your reality. This, this could be a great time for starting to figure this out. Now, Mercury is going to be in a condition called being at the, the bending of the nodes. And this happens when Mercury is squared, the north and south node of the moon. So you can see here, we've got the Mercury coming into the square with about six degrees uh, Taurus north node and six degree Scorpio south node. I th this is a point that I've learned about through Demetra George's work in her uh, ancient astrology and theory and practice where it's sort of a turning point where we're moving towards, uh, it's a crossroads and we're moving away from maybe a release and towards an increase uh, with Mercury here. So think about how you can increase your stability, your, your, your resources. Uh, think about how you can release your mourning and grieving process potentially with moving away from the south node in Scorpio, moving more towards a sense of peace and away from crisis at this point. So I think that this, to me, these two things are all happening kind of simultaneously, right? You've, or three things actually. We've got the conjunction of Saturn and the sun. We've got the Mercury at the bending of the nodes and then the Venus-Neptune conjunction. So these are all happening within a few days of each other. So if you look about look at the whole with that, think about what limiting beliefs you need to, to leave behind. What have you learned from the last cycle? What can you take with you? What can you discard? Um, think about with Mercury at the bending of the nodes is what um, skills do you need to cultivate to move towards a, an increase of material security, an increase of bodily harmony, an increase of inner peace, an increase of 
moving towards maybe a more embodied earthy experience and less towards one where you're feeling a sense of, of crisis and, and where you are defending a dying life force. That to me is a Scorpio signification. And I think that this is a really pivotal point, this, this mid-month of February. Um, so you can see it's all going to start perfecting as we move the chart forward. Okay, there's the, first we see the Kazemi, I'm sorry, the first we see the bending of the nodes with Mercury, okay, right here. And then we have the conjunction of the Sun and Saturn. Now, for those of you who are paying attention last month, this could be the ending of the Sun being in malefic enclosure. If I move the chart back slightly, I'll show you where, where I was looking at the potential beginning of this, if you allow me a slightly nonlinear digression here. When the Sun moved into the trine with Mars, okay, this is right about January 30th, see that? There's no planet that is intersecting the ray from Saturn, or the conjunction from Saturn, and the ray from Mars. So it's like the Sun is stuck between those two. And it might not, and sometimes the moon could potentially break it up. I talked about this with Adam Ellenboss when we were talking about Venus and malefic enclosure. So again, this could be a slightly difficult time for clarity, for feeling meaning and purpose. Maybe this is the winter doldrums types of thing. It could be a difficult time for our Leo house as well, All right? Um, and then once the sun hits Saturn, that is the end. Like, so there, there could be some ending that happens around here, too, that's related to your Leo house, okay? What the topic that where Leo is in this random Cancer Rising chart is second, second house Leo uh, chart. So this could be a, an ending of, like, a source of income and, an, and a new beginning in, like, a unified um, support system, potentially, with the eighth house Kazemi, okay? Um, so I, I wanted to point that out because I think that there's been some, there was some disagreement about whether it was a true malefic enclosure or not, but I just want you to trust your instincts about whether you've been feeling some pressure on that particular planet, like Venus last month, and then with this month it could start off the beginning with the sun. I just want to make you aware of that. Um, so, let me look at the chat. People are excited about D&D. I always have a little delay in the chat here, so I'm sorry for that. Uh, how can I read or use or understand the Sun, Saturn, and Aquarius as the native with Moon and Saturn in Aquarius? Mm. Well, I think that, that this is a moment of clarity for how you organize your life. I think that the, the Sun always brings a, a in, I guess the word could be enlightenment, Right? You're, you're infusing a new sense of purpose and meaning into that planet and what it represents in your chart. So look at how Saturn connects to the Aquarius and Capricorn area of your chart, and you might find some new meaning infused into that. Uh, Castle Rock says, also, there's only one question mark, Moon-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. Saturn will be in Pisces in March. Um, well, if you know, I don't think that the Sun is going to catch up with Saturn, it's going to be moving much faster than Saturn. So there's not going to be another Sun-Saturn connection. There might be a, a Moon-Saturn connection. 
but we'll see. Uh, Kate says, this looks like a system update you referenced earlier. As the moon begins to close, something is installed in spirit or ambitions. Yes, yes, for sure. I agree with that. I think that's a good observation there. Uh, and then Rachel says, super explanation on enclosure. Thank you. I found that really helpful. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, the enclosure is a Hellenistic technique that I think is worth paying attention to. Um, again, we don't want to overemphasize any of these transits as, as life or death necessarily. Although I will say that I have experienced a Venus malefic enclosure um, in my solar return chart the year that my mom passed away. Uh, and that was the ruler of my 10th house, which is associated with the mother where, where my mom got really sick during that year and then eventually passed. So, you know, it can be that, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that extreme. Just something to pay attention to. And please don't, don't take this information or these warnings as something to create anxiety. I think being prepared is one thing. I think overthinking it and getting paranoid and about what could happen that's when we're using astrology in a way that is harmful rather than helping. I just want to give that disclaimer because the word malefic enclosure sounds really intense. Mm -mm. Castle Rock says there's a feeling of finality with things coming together for the last time in Aquarius. Yes, I would agree with that. I think that this is kind of the last gasp energy before Pluto moves into Aquarius, which I think is really going to shake things up a little bit. And then, you know, we've had Saturn and Aquarius ruled signs for the last, what, three to four years now? Uh, so that's going to be a big shift of energy too. So let's, um, let's think about this even more here. What I'm looking at the chat here. Kate says, Venus is enclosed in natal. I was born for this. Well, Kate, you're a survivor right? Like you can have a life, you can have a, a functional life with a, an enclosed planet. I, I believe that I have Mercury in malefic enclosure. And, you know, I, I'm not a terrible communicator. I've, there's been times where it's been challenging. There's been times where the, the two houses that v Mercury rules have felt like an uphill battle. But we adjust, right? We find ways to adapt if we have a really, really uh, challenged planet in our charts, oftentimes that's a muscle that we are really strong at because we've had to do a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, so just if you think of it that way, it can, it can release a lot of the, the tension and, and despair that comes with, with some negative astrology talk sometimes. Okay. Let's take a look at the movement forward here. On the 17th, the other thing that's going to be happening is we do have just a little nice little sextile between Mercury and Jupiter. So a, a conversation, a, a fruitful set of ideas or conversations about how we can individuate moving forward. Many of you have been feeling the need to, to begin new things with Jupiter and Aries, and I think Mercury could help you add fuel to that, that individuation fire uh, with, with new unorthodox ideas that may come out of the the Kazemi cycle with the sextile with Mercury and Jupiter as well. Okay, so I think that just pay attention to messages you receive around this period of time. You could really get some great ideas about just how to move on and restructure your life 
you could see some real beauty you know be, be very careful that you're realistic about it especially because venus and neptune are coming together there could be some illusion where we're just trying to have the the vision of this perfect life but it just doesn't always work that way and if it did it would be boring you know what i'm saying like um oftentimes we get blinded by social media and, and all the like i said the filters that we put on everything and you don't always see the the hard dirty work that have gone into things and and even people that have a what seems to be a very perfect life there's a lot of um you know turmoil underneath it sometimes so try not to get blinded by that during this period of time okay that is what i've got for the sun and aquarius three let's stop stretch and take a look at the decans or the first decan of pisces and then we'll we'll round the bend to the end of our chat here this is a great opportunity to hit the like button uh this is a great time to stretch to get a drink get those hips moving get some lubrication in your back oh so looking forward to this new chair folks this new sprung chair this this nordic innovation because you'll see me just bouncing around on it in the future because it's very it's very bouncy it's like i'll be sitting on an exercise ball i'll tell you what i feel very vindicated with some of the new scientific research that has come out in the last few years about how bad sitting still is for you because young spencer just got really berated by everyone like sit still stop moving get your feet off the chair <laughs> like i can't really sit like just in a regular sitting position now i i, I like squatting and that's helped me maintain mobility um i used to tip on my chair like to create motion and people like don't tip on the chair you'll ruin the legs you'll fall down like that was that was another thing that helped me with my motions <laughs> like uh but yeah all right looking at the chat do 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 oh man what I should do is be do these chats with like Baroque music playing in the background. <laughs> I don't know if the YouTube algorithm will allow me to do that without taking my video down, but uh, we'll see. All right. So friends, let's talk a little bit about Pisces and the first decade of Pisces. Thank you for spending your Sunday afternoon with me here today. This is so cool. Doing it on a new day. Again, if you're digging what we're doing here, like the video, share it with your friends, subscribe to the channel. If you want to send me a super chat and buy me a book or some chocolate or whatever, I would appreciate that. Oh, there goes my back. My shoulders. Just move everything. Get everything moving. Okay. Uh, what kind of stone is your necklace made of, Spencer? This, I am surrounded on my desk in on my person with malachite and lapis lazuli i have a giant malachite that is on my desk that was given to me by my good friend shannon aganza who is an awesome astrologer and good friend that i met at uac and then she gave me also this giant piece of lapis lazuli and this is an amalgamation of lapis and malachite and 
Shannon, who's very intuitive, was like, I just get Saint Germain vibes with you, man. You're like, you're just like Saint Germain, dude. I'm like, and that's your energy is very Lapis and Malachite, and that's Saint Germain's stuff. And Saint Germain was like a musician, spiritualist, healer person. And I was like, oh, I, I, I dig Saint Germain. I'm down with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. If you, that's what you see for me. Um, but I surround myself with it. I hold my little lapis lazuli every time I do one of these talks, and I call it my speaking rock. It's a throat chakra stone, and I think it helps me to speak truth, or whatever my truth is, whatever my relative truth is comparatively. Okay, yeah, lapis and malachite, because that's what this combination is. So yeah, you have it on your nightstand. Awesome. Malachite's no joke though. For those of you who aren't familiar with stones, first of all, malachite is poisonous if you inhale the dust. So be very careful working with it. It also is a stone that does not mess around. Um, if you're into crystal magic stuff, like malachite will open you up and sometimes show you some difficult truths that are not the easiest to work with. Lapis, I haven't had any problems with. Lapis is very much like a wisdom stone to me. Ooh, yeah. You managed, Castle Rock managed a rock and crystal shop. I used to, I'll tell you, pre-pandemic, one of my favorite things to do was go to a, a the well, not just the rocks shops. That We have a really great one in town called World of Rocks that's an awesome crystal shop in Ypsilanti. Ipsy, real, my shirt I'm representing today. And, but I used to go to these like, um, whatever they like, rock conventions, like, uh, like conferences, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Uh, it was at this like county fairgrounds and just a bunch of tables set up and they just had wholesale vendors. And that was one, of, it was always on St. Patrick's Day. It was in Jackson, Michigan. And I just, I miss those so much because we, there'd be like auctions and you should see me like trying to shark it and the, the like the silent auction <laughs> at the last minute. And a lot of the stuff I got was from, you know, from those auctions. I'm, I'm just surrounded with stuff. I've got like, I don't even remember what this is, but this one's pretty cool. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but I like, it's got like a butterfly on it. Um, there's like a butterfly shape. I've got a bunch of Lemurian quartz hanging out on my desk. Uh, I'm surrounded with fluorite, and I think this is called merlinite, which looks like a little merlin hat, but I digress. All right, let's talk. Yeah, trade show, Chris says. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's talk Pisces. You all hanging in there? You good? You can hang in for another half an hour or so. I think I got another half hour in me. We've been doing good stretching. We've been getting good snacks. I don't have to pee too bad. Again, I don't really want to leave you for more than a few minutes here. Um, so let's talk Pisces. So we're dealing with the first decan of Pisces, which is associated with the Eight of Cups, and is we're we're making some shifts here. This is a big a big moment of shift. Okay, we're dealing with uh, the Sun 
now moving out of the Saturnian signs, Capricorn and Aquarius, and into a Jupiterian sign. Pisces is a mutable, double-bodied sign, so it's a, it's a transition between seasons. It's the end of winter, where everything's starting to melt in the northern hemisphere. Everything is getting, like, oozing together into this primordial oceanic soup, right? It's very fertile. It's very... Um, it's, it's blending things together. It's the differentiation that we felt in the Saturnian signs and periods is starting to dissolve. Okay. Which is probably why people associate Neptune with that energy, like, because Neptune has a very dissolving energy. But I think that this, this particular water sign with Jupiter is a uniter as well. It's, it's letting go of the boundaries that, that divide us. So we, we may be feeling, this is, a, this is a Saturn ruled Deccan, the first Deccan of Pisces that we're dealing with from February 18th to February 28th. First 10 degrees, Saturn ruled Deccan. Austin Coppett calls this the labyrinth. T. Susan Chang says, says it's called the farthest shore. Book of T calls it the Lord of abandoned success. The Book of Toth calls it indolence. So what are we dealing with here? What does Saturn represent? When we have a Saturn ruled Deccan, we, we feel potentially some limitations. We feel some discontent. We feel exiled. So when we have Saturn in a Jupiter ruled sign, again, we're carrying over some of the discontent, disgust, and disheartening, disheartening energy from the last Deccan of Aquarius. And we're saying, you know what? I've, I'm done. I've, I've, I've gathered all the information I need from that previous cycle and situation. It's time for me to go off completely off into the wilderness of my imagination to find a higher purpose. The labyrinth is a really interesting metaphor for this Deccan that Austin does a great job describing, like being able to go into the center. Jupiter is a, is a, is a journeying planet, you know, it is, it's going on the, the explorations, the exploratory journeys in our life. And in Sagittarius, we're, we're, trying to journey externally, like travel, movement, um, experiences. Whereas with Pisces, it's more about the internal journey. It's more about, can we journey into the recesses of our mind? Can we examine the, the, the siren song of the ocean where we're called to return to our center, return to our things that inspire us towards meaning and that create order in our life? Can we create from that sense of meaning? I think this is important with Jupiter too. Jupiter is a creative planet. Zeus was a creative god. He, he was beget many children. He had many paramours and children, and he beget things into form. I like the relationship of Saturn and Jupiter that I was taught through Charles Obert's book, The Classical Seven Planets, about Saturn providing the architectural blueprint and Jupiter sort of being like the, 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 the construction worker that's begetting something into form. So think about how you are, what is your why? What is your motivation? If you look at the Thema Mundi, Pisces is on the ninth house cusp of the Thema Mundi, which is maybe a pilgrimage to find sacred meaning. So it, it, maybe we've finally let go of the old narrative and we say, well, we've let go of that phase. Now what? There's some confusion. If we're, we're literally in the labyrinth where we're trying to, we might feel lost. 
when we've let go of an old situation, an old circumstance, that can be very disorientating. So what do we do during Pisces season? Well, we try to find what animates our actions, what inspires us. We try to find what can light the, the fire is not the right word, but the, it's the spirit fire, I guess you could call it. Um, what container are we going to pour our faith into, right? What, how do we surrender to the oceanic oneness and consciousness so that we can infuse that consciousness into a body and an, into an individual goal or a collective goal when we hit the spring equinox? This is the last decan, or not the last decan, the last sign before the spring equinox of Aries. So we are probably going to be trying to find the meaning before the action that we will take that is visible, okay? So you might be feeling a little lost. And I think it's important to, to give yourself space, give yourself um, grace to feel that like, well, I don't have to necessarily do or be anything. I'm just going to just be myself. I'm just going to be in the moment. I'm going to be in my feelings. Um, you might lose some steam or you might lose some discipline or you might lose some boundaries around this time, but that's good. Sometimes we create boundaries that keep us separated from things and people and relationships that are too harsh and that aren't really serving us and we need to let go of it sometimes. So there might be a softening that happens around this period of time. Um, I also think that we will be changing the dynamic between the guest and the host where we had the sun co-present with Saturn. So it's very Saturnian, right? And now the sun is moving into uh, Jupiter's house where Jupiter is in Aries. So Jupiter is going to be trying to feed the process of individuation to the sun. We were trying to get clarity on who do we want to be as an individual? What do we want to start? But the sun and Jupiter will be an aversion to one another. So let's start looking at this chart. And I'll keep an eye on the chat. We got Merlinite fans here, right? Okay. So here is the beginning. Let's get to the beginning of Pisces season here. There we go, with like the sun moving into the first decan of Pisces around the 18th. Actually, that happens. And we're going to have a new host. So you've got the sun, and now it's hosted by Jupiter, but it's an aversion to its host, which means it's really, Jupiter is not really able to communicate very well with the sun, which is unfortunate because it would be nice. I'm really, you know, I think that, um, I wonder what happens next year at Pisces, excuse me, at Pisces season, because I bet there will be a line, an open line of communication between Jupiter and, uh, well, I guess I can just look real quickly here if we look at next year then you'll see this this will be fun not to confuse anybody but um, look at where Jupiter is in connection with the Sun so Jupiter will be sextile the Sun in Taurus so I think that some of the ideas that we have we might be able to put more into action and tangible form next Piscean season because of the relationship between the sun and Jupiter. 
So let's go back to this current year. So what can we do now? What, what kind of things, what kind of actions are supported, right? What kind of, you know, themes might we benefit from potentially? The other thing we have to consider is that now the sun is moving into a whole sign square with Mars. So our inner searchings, our desire to withdraw from the world, to go off into the recesses of our imagination and our minds, may be in conflict with Mars bringing us social options or, or just mental options. So I think that it's important to like calm our minds down again, like as we were talking about with the Venus Mars square and really try to just embrace the not knowing. Gemini is always asking questions. Jupiter and, and Pisces and Sagittarius is more like, ah, oh, I don't necessarily need to, to know the answer. I have this intuitive knowing already. Okay. Um, so when we get to the 19th, we're going to see a, a sextile between Venus and Pluto. Okay. Right before Venus moves into Aries, her exile, out of exaltation into exile, which is a, a downgrade for Venus's dignity. Um, so we may have some, you know, come in contact with like, again, that, that corruption that's been repressed, but it's a sextile. So maybe we're able to bring some harmony and beauty to that situation before moving into uh, Venus, moving into Aries. When we get to the 20th, this is all building us up to the new moon in Pisces. So again, here's our new, sorry to switch it like that, but we've got our new moon in Pisces now. Okay. Again, very similar to all the themes I was talking about with first deck in Pisces, the aversion to its host with Jupiter here. There's a whole sign square with Mars, a separating conjunction of, of Venus and Neptune. We have Mercury starting to get closer to that malefic enclosure that's going to happen around the 22nd when it makes the trine with Mars. Okay. Um, and this, this new moon will be co-present with with Neptune and Venus. What I will say is though that shortly, like an hour after the new moon, Venus moves into Aries. So try not to get blinded by the, the illusion of, of this 10 of cups, happy, happily ever after, and then try to pursue it too intensely. And I'll, I'll describe that as we get to the end of the month, but we've got a really interesting Jupiter um, Venus connection at the beginning of March right as uh, the moon is Hellenistic void, of course, <laughs> right? So, so there might be something that's like really beautiful that happens, but it's very temporary and you shouldn't build your entire life around it, okay? Because the moon is void, of course, and nothing may come of the matter. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy that period of time, but, but again, don't build your life around it, okay? So, new moon, a good time to go off and find your why. And um, concurrently, we will also see around this period of time, Mercury, which is about, again, to trine Mars, making a square with Uranus. So this, again, is a, re a repetition of the solar square that we had at the very beginning of the month, but with a slightly different flavor, with slightly different topics. So instead of being related to the Leo energy in your life because of the sun being involved. This now will, will bring in topics related to 
Gemini, and Virgo. Again, you have to think of this as like, these are mycelial networks. Mercury, in this case, is providing resources to Mars. Okay, it's providing resources to the Virgo topic in your life. Regardless of not having a planet there, that topic is still active. Okay, so, you know, we're going to be thinking about how to do things innovatively, how to move on from one thing to the next, but we're going to bring in those topics and the, the flow goes both ways. The topics are going to flow into the Aquarius area of your life and as well as being provided for by Mercury. Okay, so that's the square with Mercury and Uranus. When we get to the 22nd, that's the beginning of our potential malefic enclosure with Mercury. So Mercury is going to make a trine to Mars. There's going to be an, maybe an idealistic conversation where you are trying to move on and you're needing to eliminate a potential option. Okay, Mars in the second decan of Gemini is like saying, hey, it's time to eliminate this one particular pathway. It's going to be too, it's going to be really hard to, to hold those two paradoxical paths. So really a secret signification in my mind with Gemini is like, hey, it, it's good to explore. It's good to like be curious, but eventually you've got to choose what's most important to you and infuse that into reality. Okay, like, and, and nurture that successfully. So that now you see as, as we've got that repetition of that malefic enclosure that Venus went through and the sun went through, and because of the, the ray that, be, that Mars is casting to this side of Mercury, and then it's applying to Saturn, and there's really not a planet that is casting its ray in between there. See that? There's no planet besides, I mean, not even Uranus here in this case, which was an argument that someone was making, Adam was making about breaking it up potentially, which, which is a good argument but we're not even going to get that particular help here, okay? So I do think that this is going to feel like a, a legitimate um, malefic enclosure of Mercury, where our, we, we just might feel a little stuck. might feel a little stuck with our ideas. We're trying to move forward, but it's, there's, there's something that's just not, you know, flowing well yet. Uh, and this will end, this will end... Um, on the 2nd of March, when Mercury conjoins Saturn at 29 degrees of Aquarius. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. Again, don't, don't get too bent out of shape about it. Like, there may be some indecisiveness around this. There may be a, a feeling where you're trying to move forward, but you're feeling a little bit of stuck. That is okay. All right? Like, I mean, that's, that to me is, is something that we need to get better at as a, as a culture, as a community, we need to become more patient. We need to learn about delayed gratification. I think this could be part, part of some delayed gratification type of experience where we, we have the good idea. We know what needs to go, but we're just in the, in the moving on process and we just don't have it all quite figured out yet. As you notice, this is temporary. This malefic enclosure of the sun and of Mercury. I mean, Mercury is moving a lot faster than the sun. So Mercury is also only going to be in malefic closure for like a week, okay? So it's one week of maybe challenging communications of like thoughts of like feeling a little bit stuck. But again, if you, if you relax into the process, like look at this too. Here's another thing. 
look where the sun is here. The sun's at four degrees of Pisces. This is right on a fixed star called Fomahal, which is like the, the charismatic wizard star in the, the mouth of the fish, the, the southern fish. Uh, this is a time to just relax, study, don't overthink it. You know, go off and meditate in your, your sacred space. Try to connect with what brings you joy and meaning. Um, really try to get outside of, oh yeah, someone's saying it looks like a time crunch. Yeah, I could see that. I would say that the first malefic enclosure, I'm going to be feeling that time crunch. I'm still doing preparation for my nightlight astrology talk. So that's, that's my first house planet in malefic enclosure of like, of your own standards, right? Being able to create slides and research and things like that. I put a lot of energy into those talks. So that's a good call, Kate. So maybe you have a situation like that in your life where you have a deadline or something and you feel bound to that, that particular experience and that deadline. Um, space it out. This is, this is how you get over. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of things about procrastination lately. And procrastination just begets more anxiety, more pain. Sometimes if you just take the smallest possible step that can break up like the, the malefic enclosure of your mind and get you into that flow state. So even if you take a tiny little beginning step and that's all you're committing to, You'll be amazed at how much that opens things up for you and gets you off that procrastination train potentially. Um, but with the just talking a little bit about the sun on Fomahal, this is that's a great time to just to to study, go to your sacred space, find your why, really f try to connect with things that inspire you, right? With some magic, a little magic in your life. What what kind of metaphors and symbol symbols and symbolic language inspires you what kind of stories and mythologies inspire you and then ask yourself what kind of stories and mythologies and figurative language and symbols do you base your entire life around are those supporting you or are they limiting you is the labyrinth that you're working through is, is it a prison or are you creating a palace with your mind like there's a there's a technique of going into your mind palace where you're visualizing creative visualization technique where you're kind of you know utilizing the power of your mind to to solve a problem and i think that that's true throughout the piscean decans is that you know we are co-creating with our imagination and with the divine through this experience um, and that's not necessarily true in every i i mean i i don't think that that's the focus in every sign Yes, we can make the argument that we're always co-creating with the divine, but there are other areas of the zodiac that are much more materially based. And I think that here we're trying to, to find balance between our vision and the reality that we're living within. And oftentimes the Piscean challenge is having an idealistic vision and having it not match your reality. And that can be painful. We call that the gap in creative, creative uh, you know, circles like Ira Glass calls it the gap. And you, you close the gap through doing work, through, through, through practice, through acceptance sometimes that, that it won't be exactly how your vision is. There's a surrendering to it. That's part of the surrendering of Pisces, I think. So that's the, the malefic enclosure of Mercury that again ends on, it's going to be there for the rest of the month. So this is what we're going to be finishing off the month with. Um, and 
on the 26th, we're going to see Mercury going under the sun's beams. So at 22 degrees of Aquarius right here on the 26th, you're going to see Mercury within 15 degrees of the sun. So not only are we in this like, you know, malefic enclosure type of deal, we are dealing with uh, Mercury kind of being burned up by the sun too. So this, this again, this is going to be a little bit challenging period for mercurial matters, for exchanges. Uh, there may be some, some fix, fixed ideals that are hard to let go of around this period of time. But again, it's only a week. It's temporary. This too shall pass. Okay. <laughs> Kate says, my son just sat down in front of me with his clothes on backwards. He is a twin. Just thought it speaks to this a little bit. <laughs> That's funny, Kate. She says he's totally content and will not reverse his clothes, by the way. Well, there you go. I mean, he's, you know, he's fixed with his energy and, and that works for him. Maybe there's something that we do that's unorthodox that, that works for us and we don't necessarily have to conform with that, right? If it's not hurting anybody, why do we need to conform, right? Is it really hurting anybody if his shirt's on backwards? No, not really. Maybe just our sense of, you know, I don't know, order, <laughs> but if it, yeah, I think that oftentimes we fight battles with our kids in particular about what is expected versus what works for them. And that it sometimes can be a Sisyphean task where we're pushing that boulder up the hill. And is it a really great use of our energy or not? Oh, Raven says, so don't do my taxes during this time. That's a great point, Raven. You know, I have taxes to do pretty soon too. And I've been thinking about trying to either get them done before Mercury goes in the malefic enclosure <coughs> or waiting till after. Because yes, that, that could feel like we're stuck with some of the details around that. Okay. All right. Jody, thanks for being here, Jody. Appreciate you. Jody's taken off. We're almost done here, but uh, I know all of you have things to do, places to be, and I appreciate the time that you've spent with me today. So thank you, Jody, and take care, friend. Okay. So let's finish off this, this epic journey. Oh, thank you so much for the super sticker, Jody. You're always so generous. I really appreciate you, friend. And we'll see you in the guided group study soon. Okay. Um, we're going to finish the month off. As Mercury moves into the uh, under the beams situation within 15 degrees of the sun, the moon is simultaneously going to move out of bounds on Algol. So uh, we're going to probably be feeling some emotions that are coming up that are intense. Again, this will be, moon will be out of bounds from the 26th till March the 3rd. And then we are going to have the first quarter moon, okay, of the Pisces moon cycle that's going to happen at about 8 degrees of Gemini. So you can see that here. So the square between the sun and the moon, where we're, we're probably feeling some tension between our desire to retreat and to unify our lives through meaning and our need to explore different pollinators, right? To, to explore different pathways. We might be feeling a sense of FOMO or something of that nature. We may be feeling pulled in different directions as far as like wanting to just go off into our, the recesses of our imagination, but we might be pulled into some social situations or communications or conversations that we, you know, or bring that tension to the fore. Um, I just think that a good, good solution for this is just to, I think in Pisces season, 
it's probably better to just relax and not overthink things. I think that I always look to the the season of what what what's nature doing at this time, right? What is how can we come into alignment with with what the animals and the trees are doing? And at this time, the boundaries are melting, everything's merging together. It is a a primordial soup that will create the the future life of spring. So we don't have to have the form figured out yet. You see what I'm saying? What we need to do is we need to release some of the, 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 the structures, the hard boundaries that keep us from the right combinations and mixtures that will lead to future fertility. So really it's a, it's a pregnant pause before spring. And when we, when we get rid of the, the bad habits, the limiting belief systems, the old stories that don't serve us, that, that's gonna allow us to have a good birth at the spring equinox, which is pretty powerful this year. I believe there's a, there's a new moon at like zero degrees of Aries this year, conjoining Jupiter. I'll just take a look at that real quick. Yeah, so there's the full moon in March. And then we have this, look at this, this is crazy. That's March 21st, right on the equinox, we have a full moon, I'm sorry, new moon with Jupiter and Mercury co-present. Looks pretty juicy, okay, as far as like starting new things. So that being said, Try not to freak out if everything isn't totally coalescing during um, Pisces season. Just relax. <laughs> I guess that's what I will say. Relax. Okay. So that's our last quarter moon. And that is the final aspect of the month. That's the final kind of thing to talk about. So let's round the corner of this epic journey. We're coming in about three hours as we do sometimes with these monthly forecasts. Thank you for bearing with the duct taping this thing together macgyver style <laughs> thank you for the donations and and sitting with me and doing all the you know snacks and stretching so friends as we do in this channel we talk about an animal that can give us a nature experience i'd like to maybe start incorporating tree spirits into this divin this nature divination as well i've been really starting to research more tree symbology and i think that would be fun but the animal i got this uh month is the frog so uh the frog is really associated with the rain with cleansing away the mud that that, that muddies up our lives and our minds and things like that so here's some notes i wrote down for the frog cleansing transformation uh, keeping your intentions quiet for survival that 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 was interesting hopping away from danger so maybe if you get yourself in a sticky situation, maybe you have to leap away from it. Focus on one particular thing. Don't jump around. That could be an alternative way to bring in the, the jumping energy. Maybe we're splitting our energy in too many different directions with Mars and Gemini, and we have to focus a little bit on what's most important to us. Release negative emotions, doubt, old ways, narratives, and stagnant situations. Cleansing is very important. Embrace new methods, eliminate distractions, the cleansing waters, baths, fastings, tech fast, let go of negativity and muddy feelings. This is something that I've been working with too. Like oftentimes you realize how much our, our online stuff can be a distraction. And I'm not talking about these live streams. I mean, thank you for hanging out with me today. <laughs> but just think about doom scrolling. Like I actually downloaded this new app. It's called the Good News Network. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to like get too spiritually bypassy about it because we do need to know about some of the, the challenging news in the world. 
Um, but I'm finding when I like get on the Apple News app, that it, I just get overwhelmed with the negativity. And I do think it's important to acknowledge negativity, but we also have to rebalance it with positive intentions and thoughts. So for me, for every negative news story I look at at Apple, I've tried to find something positive that I can feel hope for with the Good News Network. So that might be something to try too, is to balance out the, the fear, the paranoia with just trying to find something to appreciate and have gratitude for. And like, because there are always things to, to appreciate and find gratitude for. So trying to get cleanse away some of that negativity, I think will be great and fun for this month. The hexagram I got was number seven, which is the army, military virtues, discipline, self-discipline, honor and loyalty, integrity, the massing of force. And it's changing to hexagram number 19, overseeing, approach, cooperation, growth, the beginning of spring, forces that are beginning to stir. One changing line. The army must go forth disciplined by regulations. If discipline is not good, misfortune. So I'll write down, I'll tell you the notes I wrote down for this. The beginning of any enterprise is compared to a military mission. The cause must be worthy and just, or it will be unsustainable. So this is where you, it's important for you to find your why. Is Remember when I said earlier, are you going to sacrifice for something worthy or something that's just, you know, self-flagellation and martyrdom? Uh, a plan of action must be clear. We have to be clear. Pisces, when Pisces season comes around, the waters can get muddy. We need clarity of focus and purpose. You're going to know the right actions to take when you're clear rather than when you're just, you know, swimming around and there's darkness. Uh, the troops must be disciplined and organized um, or they will flee. Now, this is, remember, we talked about fleeing. Maybe you can avoid the worst of this Aquarius Deccan of like a, an organized, unstable effort um, by having a clear vision. There's there's another Deccan, this Deccan of, excuse me, this Deccan of Aquarius, there's a spirit called Phobos in this Deccan, which is literally um, when the fear that causes soldiers to uh, escape battle, <laughs> like when they get so afraid that they're just like, I'm going retreat i'm too scared like i'm too intimidated to route from battle right so to avoid that disorganized undisciplined effort we need some clarity maybe we get that at the saturn kazemi moment um it's important to articulate your objectives organize your resources um don't let's see it says don't well i can't even read my own stupid writing don't move forward without preparation um before you have it says to organize your resources before action and have clear goals. Also, this is important. I, I underline this one. Some of the text describes appreciating your supporters as well. Oftentimes we have these individual goals. We have these individuation, you know, hero's journey, old narratives. And we don't realize that we're just a mycelial network of people coming together. Even when we achieve great things individually, think of all the the people that helped you along the way. This is something I really meditate on with Michael Jackson, who has achieved amazing, amazing work. But look at the supporters he had. He had Quincy Jones helping him. He had Bruce Swedeen that was the, the engineer. Um, he had all this, these, these, this machine behind him, really, to help create an album like Thriller. It wasn't just Michael Jackson. It was all these people working together to create this wonderful, timeless work of art. So appreciate the people that are supporting you, especially in Aquarius and Pisces season, because when we take those things for granted, we 
we tend to further isolate ourselves and we might find ourselves in situations where we need that help and that support. And I think if we start shifting the narratives, especially as Pluto moves into Aquarius, that it is worthwhile to pursue communal goals that we don't have to compete with one another as much to like win because this is what's gotten us to this point in the first place we have oligarchs that are like competing with one another to be who can be the richest who can have the biggest bank account that have led to like destroying resources natural resources and things like that and if we return to this communal way of thinking where we know that to win we have to to win you know what winning is the species surviving on this planet if we're going to survive we have to work together so i I, th- I really think that that's part of this as well so you know be disciplined have clarity with your vision utilize the last period of saturnian energy in the beginning of february and then feel those little stirrings accept yourself for who you are and what you are uh, dissolve some of the boundaries of your old stories and I think that you'll have a really good spring equinox if you utilize that Piscean time to find a really clear vision of why you're doing what you're doing. This is sort of a life hack when if you want to be efficient with your time and with your goals, you really have to be connected to why you're doing it, not what you want to do. Why? That can, that can move mountains. If you know your motivation, then the method does, is, is not as important, right? The, the, it's the essence that is important. All right, friends, I'm going to take one more look at the chat here. Thank you so, so much for all of your amazing comments. You are a wonderful community. I'm so grateful for all of you, and I'm so grateful for all of your contributions, uh, intellectually, materially, and otherwise, uh, and your comments. Rachel says, I enjoyed so much sharing the astrology, stretching snacks, Jupiter and Virgo, MacGyver memories. Awesome, Spencer. Thank you for such a comprehensive tour of the month, and yes to trees. Yes, Rachel. Uh, Someday. I will hopefully visit all of you in Ireland over there, and you'll show me around to some pretty beautiful sites, I'm hoping. Kate says, frogs move between water and land. That's neat to think about. Versatility, fluidity, yes. Being able to move between worlds in those liminal spaces. Deb, Mad Hippies for Life, says, this is my first time here, and I deeply enjoyed catching the live. Thank you, Deb. I'm so excited you were able to join us today. Uh, Rachel says, this hexagram speaks very much to the energy of the liver and the wood element in Chinese medicine. It's the element associated with spring. Yes, good observations, friends. Okay. All right, friends, that's what I've got for you today. This has been so much fun. Uh, Remember, do me a couple favors. Like the video, share it with your friends, subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a donation after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. That's always appreciated. And uh, reach out for a reading if you need help. If you need guidance through this, I'd be happy to work with you. I love working with all of you in this community. And um, remember, remember, it's important. This is important. It's important to be kind, right? Be kind to yourself. And that will help you to be a kind contributor, positive contributor to your community. When you accept yourself and you give yourself the type of energy that you want to receive, you be amazed at how much beauty and grace that you can create in your community. So be kind to yourself so that you can in turn extend that kindness to others. All right, friend, that's what I've got for you today, and I'll see you the next time. Peace.